Ringer Films and HBO's third installment of the Music Box series is listening to Kenny G. The film takes a humorous but incisive look at the saxophonist Kenny G, the best-selling instrumental artist of all time and quite possibly one of the most famous living musicians. Listening to Kenny G unravels the allure of the man who played jazz so smoothly that a whole new genre formed around him and questions fundamental assumptions about art and excellence in the process. You can find Listening to Kenny G on HBO or HBO Max on Thursday, December 2nd. This episode is brought to you by USAA Auto Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions. Thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage is not one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how much you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Netflix. They say a gentleman always keeps his word, but I can't repeat any of the words that the weed-dealing, gambling, murdering aristocrats say in The Gentleman. Guy Ritchie's first TV show ever, only on Netflix, based on his award-winning film, The Gentleman series stars Theo James, my guy from White Lotus, and a whole new cast of criminal lords and ladies slumming it in Britain's criminal underworld. Guns out, pinkies up. Don't miss The Gentleman now playing only on Netflix. The Rewatchables is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, as well as the Ringer Podcast Network, where you can find The Big Picture with Sean Fennessy. You can find The Answer on The Ringer NBA Show yeah. with Chris Ryan and The Watch. Uh-huh. And Ringer Prestige Show. Yeah. You're doing Ryan and Ryan with uh, Ryan, Ryan and Russella. Ryan in the morning. Yeah. Radio Talking Free Bozeman. Yellowstone. Yeah. Brian Kaufman doesn't have a podcast with us because he's busy doing multiple TV shows at the same time. He's been on here before. We, we covered Godfather 2. This might be more important in some ways. JFK 30th anniversary. <laughs> it's coming up next. From the shadow of a doubt. Who would leave a path as big as Lee Harvey Oswald? To the darkest suspicions. Nobody's going to tell me that kid did the shooting job he did from that damn bookstore. One man would make a dangerous journey. Don't you think the Kennedy assassination is a little bit out of your domain? Looking for the truth. Kevin Costner in an Oliver Stone film. Nothing is going to keep me from my investigation of John Kennedy's murder. JFK Rated R starts Friday, December 20th at a theater near you. All right, Fantasy, Chris, Koppelman, we're all here. We're here to discuss one of the all-time movie heat checks anyone's ever had. We've seen actors with heat checks and actresses, not... Not directors as much. This is Oliver Stone coming up with his theory on the JFK assassination in 1991, tapping into this underworld of conspiracy theorists, of books, of people who would go on these weird morning shows, afternoon shows. He puts it all together, somehow convinces the studio to fund it, somehow convinces 20 really good actors to be in it. Stars. Somehow convinces, real stars, somehow convinces the studio to be okay with like a three-hour-plus movie. And it's an experience unlike any other. Why did you want to do this, Koppelman? Well, because it's, as you said, it's super important. It's batshit crazy. and it, But it has, throughout, some just absolutely fucking killer scenes. And Oliver Stone... One of the greatest screenwriters who ever lived, uh, and one of the most compelling directors of our time, and uh, and I'd say this is his third Vietnam movie too. Mm. It's two chronologically. It's the second one, but it's absolutely 
uh, he made three Vietnam movies. And this movie is a, a, another example. You know, I, I, I'm always fascinated by filmmakers. I know you guys are too. F- filmmakers who can't stop obsessing. And this fundamental lie that America told him um, about why he had to go watch people he loved get murdered uh, for no reason is is what this is the culmin. Even though he told Kovac's story afterwards, that this is the sort of culmination of all that thinking, right? Yeah, that's. I mean, it's like the, this unhealing wound from his time in Vietnam, and he's working through it in Platoon and in Born on the Fourth of July and in this movie. This movie is. The, the final act, the final, the, like, I think th- so this, too. Th- one was about experience on the ground. One was experience about what happens to people when they come home. And the other one was why the fuck did this all happen? And JFK is his theory of why all this happened, really. Yeah, the original sin of the country in the second half of the century, right? <clears throat> I can't think, I mean, we have a very poker fluent crowd here today. <laughs> I can't think of another example of a director going all in like this, of a director who's got this much, he's in the middle of the zeitgeist. He's the probably the biggest filmmaker in the world. And he gets the biggest movie star in the world to be the avatar for what is admittedly incredibly provocative, if not downright irresponsible storytelling at times, you know? And to make this case to the world movie-going audience that everything you thought you knew about this incredible crime was, was, was a lie. And then you get into, well, like, what is the truth here? And what, like, what responsibility does Stone have to the truth? Or is that sort of a greater truth that, you know, Oswald isn't the only, you know, isn't a single shooter? And it just becomes this, like, sort of hall of mirrors when you start to unpack it, which is why this is such an exciting movie to pot about. Well, it's funny because it makes me mad, even though I like it. But at the same time, all of these movies that are based on a true story, like Argo, which we did on the rewatchables, and they basically make up the ending in that, right? It was really easy for them to get out of the airport. They wanted some dramatic tension. They made it seem like it was like to the bitter end and the people are chasing them on yeah. the runway. That never happened. Anytime it's based on a true story, they're always fucking with the facts. It's just in this case, what was different was that people saw this movie and thought this was what happened. I think, I don't know if people fully realize, Koppelman, that this was just basically him taking something that meant a lot to him and crafting a nonfiction slash fiction story of a narrative trying to explain it, but he was really trying to do all these other things. But like you have the Kevin Bacon character isn't real. It was completely made up. You have the Joe Pesci character who died of natural causes that make it seem like he was murdered. Murdered by Cubans. Well, he's yeah. playing with, he's playing with mice. After. He's playing with mice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, the, the deleted scenes have, have Jack Ruby injected with cancer. The deleted scenes (laughs) have Jack Ruby injected in his jail cell with pancreatic cancer cells. Uh, the doctor comes in and says, I'm basically giving you, giving you like a B12 and he makes him bend over that's, and gives him a, a shot in the ass. That's pan, Apex Mountain. That's pan- what we're going to do to each other. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how this is and, and yeah, chronologically, sorry, Corner of the Fourth of July did come first. So he made yeah. that and then he made JFK. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I guess the question with this movie as the years pass is he gets really, really liberal with a lot of stuff and openly makes up stuff, but we don't have an internet yet. And the dialogue of this movie was basically, oh, well, this is this is whatever, but this is an awesome movie. And then as the years passed, people start picking apart. And it even started happening in the early 90s where there would be these think pieces about- It started happening before the movie yeah, came out. Right, but yeah. 
I don't think the general public was really as aware of it. No, right? I saw. Th- I still remember seeing this movie almost thirty years ago, right, like right now, when I was in winter break in Lake Worth, Florida, with my mom visiting my grandmother. We went and saw JFK. She remembers exactly where she was when Kennedy was killed. She was working in a dentist's office in Manhattan, and we got out of the theater, and I was like, "That was really cool." Like I obviously had never seen anything like that yeah. in my life or been exposed to thinking like that before. And she was just in tears because she was like, "It never felt right." It never seemed like that what they were telling us was true, and now we know. Right, now we know. Right. Now, now, <laughs> now we have the, the curtain's been lifted. Yeah. But there were always these, I would say, the only thing is, uh, these theories would pop up. As oh, a 55-year-old, yeah. I, can, I can say that in the 80s, there's no doubt you would have college classes on oh, what yeah. was really, Umbrella how, what man, really happened. Gerald Posner was writing 400 books where eventually he lands on a so, single shooter. But yeah. Did you have your friend in college who was- oh, dude. Because my Jacko and I, we we went deep on this stuff. We saw this movie together when we were in college, and we were like, we'd been waiting for it for uh, months. We we're uh, like, here we go. Our friend's house was called the the Lodge, and <laughs> you can imagine when you would go over to the Lodge, they had they they had this cooler that they kept their weed in. They had the best weed on mm. campus, and you would go over and they would take the special weed out, and they would make gravity, bong, you know, they would cut open a gravity bong, make a gravity bong, and you would sit around and just talk about things <laughs> like the JFK. This thing, I wonder if that does that yeah. happen anymore because. We would literally sit in somebody's room and talk about this and talk about theories and stuff. And now I just feel like people just go on the internet. Well, someone would call their expert friend. Like, even when we were in school, someone would call their expert friend to come over. Yeah. Not even on a cell phone. We didn't have them, right? So, like, someone would call their buddy who was like, oh, yeah, she's a, a history major. She knows a lot about this. And then she would come over and you That person them. weirdly never had plans. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they would just show up and you would hand them the gravity bong. They yeah. would do a giant hit and then be like, let me tell you about the grassy knoll. Yeah. <laughs> That's what would happen. But the, the thing I'm trying to figure out, because I'm not, certainly not like you guys in that I didn't have this abiding obsession with figuring out who did this or understanding or reading the Posner books or any of that stuff. I, I, I'm, I don't come to the movie with those interests. For you specifically, I've known you for a long time now. Yeah. You've always been obsessed with this. You've done multiple podcasts yeah. about this. And in some ways, you love this movie, but you're kind of offended by it because of the the creations in it, the the, the, the fake yeah, stuff. Yeah, I just wish it had been a little more real. So like, why? Why is that important? It's important because I think he's kind of semi-close to getting really somewhere special with this movie, right? And he's really, like, the, the key scene to me is Donald Sutherland as ex. And he lays out this whole thing and this whole theory about the military complex that's in place. And Kennedy wants to remove this war and it would be all this money they lose and all this power. And there's CIA and and the way he lays it out, you're like, oh shit, this is really good. When he goes down the road with the Pesci character and the Bacon character, that's just like fictional movie making, well, you can't which have is it both fine. Ways. I don't think you can do both. You can't I have it both don't. ways. It's like there's this idea, because he used to say, I think he said around the time of the movie coming out that this the intention of the film was to be like counter-myth. Is like there was a mythology around Oswald. There's a mythology around what we think happened that day. My movie is a counter-mythology. That would be one acceptable, you know, sort of rationale for the film. But he still to this day is in the comment section on blog posts being like, you're fucking wrong. I like can point to the letter that got burned up in an ashtray by Harry right. Connick Jr.'s dad. You know, it's well, like... But there are... I, I would say that he's, as a filmmaker, it, yes, factually, the, the X scenes are so so crucial. I agree. Well, and also but it's brilliantly edited too. Like yeah. the stuff that he does in that 16 minutes, I, I don't think it's, it's been in a film The heart before. and the head of the movie. I yeah. agree. Yeah. And well, and the, you know, just Sutherland's eyes. But because 
I, I think this comes from this deep pain. The reason that I cut it slack, all that stuff you're talking about, is this is a guy who's still been destroyed. Stone, we've talked about it before. I think in lots of ways, a monster. But I bet as a filmmaker, as an artist, he was destroyed by what happened to him as yeah. a boy, as an 18-year-old, yeah. right? Destroyed by it. And so to me, he becomes an Oliver Stone character, screaming and ranting and, right. and yeah. yelling and demanding because it's this pain. It's You feel that the movie is a, a huge cry. And, you know, I have to say, like, the fourth Vietnam movie is— I sent these to— um, I sent these to uh, the scene from Nixon with Larry Hackman, yep. which— that's the final scene in this movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's in another, it's in a movie four years later. And it's Larry Hagman going to Richard Nixon. Well, we're going to get rid of that guy to make sure that you end up in here. And it's just like, what the fuck? Right, but it's a guy himself. who can't help himself. It it hurts too much. And that's what's, that, for me, that's what's touching and moving about the whole thing is he can't help himself. Can I ask one more question? Yeah. If the movie was not a phenomenon, if it was not, at the center of the culture, which is, it's, cr I mean, we should talk about how it's crazy how at the center of a culture a movie like this was, because that seems impossible now. But if it was an obscure miss, would it have bothered you as much, Bill, that he was reaching for things that were not there? I got to say, I'm, I, I, I sound like I dislike this movie more. I actually really like this movie. It's more frustrating to me because I felt like somebody had one chance to really nail it. Mm -hmm. And it turned out to be this director at the peak of his powers who had, a star at the center of the movie at the peak of his powers and a country that's kind of ready for the movie. And it's like, why didn't anybody mm. talk him out of some of the stupid mm. stuff? Two things from this movie though, that I think are really important because you talk about how this became a cultural thing. One is the Sapruder film. We did not have the ability to just go on YouTube and watch it whenever we wanted. Mm -hmm. This was not a thing people had seen that many times. They're going to a big movie screen and Stone is like, I'm not just going to show this to you. I'm going to fucking slow-mo it. I'm yeah. going to zoom in and you're going to see the president's head get shot off 10 times. So we had that, which I, I don't think there, anybody had thought of. And then the other thing was just, I think mainstream people just hadn't really had real conversations about JFK and this started it. Like this really got the ball rolling for major shit. Like they passed the Assassination mm -hmm. Act a year later, mm -hmm. basically because this movie. So I don't know, it leads to the Seinfeld episode. Like it, it pushes it. It takes it from the bowels and these weird, you know, like Tom Snyder, one thirty in the morning type shows where this is where you would get, or the books. Or the character in Slacker who's like yeah, yeah, in the back of, of the book well, It made it yeah. mainstream. Well, in, in this crazy documentary that he put out this year, JFK Revisited, they actually show where you would have seen the Zapruder film, which is, I think, on a late night show hosted by Geraldo Rivera. And it's right. clearly like early 80s. Oh, it's in the, docu yeah, it's in the documentary. It's in the documentary. Are you also watching on a TV that's not that good? Right. It's not a 35-foot movie screen. So... I think the Zapruder film, that was kind of the the, the shark really from smart. Jaws of this movie. Don't you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, the way he, like you said, the way he implements it into the film, the way he utilizes it in the movie, you have the same reaction that the people in the courthouse do. Like, you are, there is no barrier between the movie-going audience and the extras and these supporting characters who are watching Costner in that moment. Because he he's wants doing you to think, like, let's left. get these guys. They did this to him. And that's, back into the left is ultimately, like, when you're watching it, you're like, no matter what military-industrial complex, Cubans, mafia, CIA bullshit you were talking about, it does seem like his head goes back. 
Right. You know what I mean? And that doesn't make sense if the shot comes from behind. Except and, recoil does have. I mean, there's answers see, that's, and that's the that. thing. And there's that's the answers, thing. Is that is right? so when we were researching this podcast, you go, you read the hot takes about JFK, you read the criticisms of it, and you're like, oh, that's pretty compelling. And then you do a little bit more digging, and then there's all the refute refutive articles, the refutations of those articles. And they're like, if you didn't know anything about this guy or that guy or found this piece of paper that was lost to time, but I found it, and you're just like, oh, I'm down the rabbit hole. And then he goes down the rabbit hole. He's not the only person to look at the Kennedy assassination as this microcosmic event that explains our century. Like Don DeLillo does it with Libra. James Elroy yeah. does it with American Tabloid. Don DeLillo has this great quote about uh, writing about this where he says, I think fiction rescues history from its confusions. And he was talking about Libra. And that's good. Fiction rescues history from its confusions. It explains a lot about it. We have to like kind of imagine what did happen if history can't explain it. But Stone isn't just doing that. He's like, this did happen. I am telling you, yeah. with the misinformation or propaganda that the other side uses, my my dream of what happened. But he's not. He's not. He's making a movie about Jim Garrison who had a theory yeah. of what happened to JFK. That And that is really the challenge of that this movie. That wasn't how it was marketed, though. But, but do you, yeah, Who cares? But like, don't you think he sort of has cast himself as Garris, the heir to Garrison's... S certainly, we can yeah. assume that, and we know because we've been listening to sure. Stone talk publicly about this. But if we talk about the movie, and we should talk about the movie, the movie is about Jim Garrison on a quest to make sense yeah. of something that doesn't make sense to him. Mm. And... And, it's the, and that's the but, best part of the movie. Yes. But the key, I'd say one of the key lines, I took a bunch of pictures I watched the second time through this weekend with captions on. Yeah. Like, when you see some of these captions as opposed to just hearing it, like, daddy never keeps his promises. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kid to Garrison, but it's also Garrison to the country. Yeah. It's what the movie's about. It's that America was supposed to, this is why, it's, America was supposed to be a certain kind of promise. And Oliver Stone, for his whole career, the best of Oliver Stone is the person who says, daddy's not keeping his promises. And that's at the heart of what he's trying to sort out, I think. Well, this, this movie also, it comes through for, we know it's coming. I'm just telling you, look what it was like in 1991. It's like, this is coming. Oliver Stone made a movie about the JFK assassination, Costner's in it, all these other actors. It's like, all right, pressure's on now. I'm I'm excited to see this. You have these rare movies where when you go to the theater that day, it's like, I've been waiting. It's like going to like a game seven. I agree. You know, it's like, I, I can't fucking wait for this. It delivered. Like oh, we yeah. left the theater. We were like, that was fucking awesome. And I think the stuff that stuck around from a rewatchable standpoint, like the X scene, obviously, but you know, it's the little shit. Like John Candy's in this the movie greatest for scene one of, scene. It's the greatest yeah. scene of all time. I mean, Daddy O! It's the answer to it. I, I just told him whatever came in my cabeza. I mean, <laughs> what, it's, 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 it's literally answered. Like all the rewatchables categories are basically answered by that scene. John it's Candy. unbelievable. Jack Lemmon and Walter Matha are in this, and they're not even the same scene. Yeah. Like the most famous movie pairing of the last the casting what years. is like three paragraphs of everybody who was a famous person in Hollywood. Yeah. It's, uh, it's unlike any other movie. I wonder, it's pre-internet, if this movie's released now, I think the internet eats it alive. I think they everyone grasps on the things that are wrong with it. There, there's a movie to be made right now, though, about this kind of idea, because this movie plants the seed. So I'm, uh, I'm a little younger. I'm like 11 years old, probably, when I see this movie, and it did its job. Did it prove to right. me who killed JFK? No. Did it make me immensely distrustful of the U.S. government and the military-industrial complex? Of course it did, because right. it's so convincing. We, we, made a little, we made a little movie about Kennedy. 
uh, Dave and I and Neil Berger made a movie called Interview with the Assassin. That was Neil's first movie before Limitless and before mm. um, uh, before The Illusionist. Um, it was Neil's first film, and, and and it's presented as a documentary, and it's about the second gunman, and it's worth watching uh, hmm. because it it's Neil's incredibly thorough in his you know twenty years later his exam or whatever ten years later his examination. But you you know what the interview the internet would eat up for people who don't know the movie. So you talked about X. I just want to, can I just want to read you guys. This is the dialogue of the opening. I was, the internet would destroy. This is how we meet X. I was a soldier, Mr. Garrison, two wars. I was one of those secret guys in the Pentagon <laughs> that supplies the military hardware, planes, bullets, rifles. They're what we call black operations, black ops, assassinations, coup d'etat. Rigging elections, propaganda. In World War II, I was in Romania, Greece, Yugoslavia, part of the Nazi intelligence apparatus. Part of the Nazi intelligence apparatus? Just before the end of the war. We used those guys in the fight against the communists. In Italy, 48, we stole the elections. I mean, this is France, 49, broke the strikes. Overthrew Carino in the Philippines. Mosaddegh in Iran. <laughs> Got the Dalai Lama out. <laughs> <laughs> he got the Dalai Lama out. This one guy, that's what Stone's doing, right? He made up this guy. Yeah. And then he gives this guy, basically has been in every single- and, and, and you know, of, he ends of, that yeah. little hunk with, we were good. Like, after all that, <laughs> we were the badasses. Yeah, it's you know? like a scene at a, like, it, before the action starts in Predator. Yeah. You buy that scene. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. It's Jesse Ventura. It's, <laughs> it's, it's almost like Troutman. Yeah, in, right. In First Blood. Yeah. It's kind of absurd. I mean, it's just, just kind of absurd. That, this movie is if Alex Jones had Paul Thomas Anderson's cinematic talent. <laughs> That's pretty good. And podcast. <laughs> and it's it's just insane, but I love it. But I get frustrated by it. In every it. way, it's a fever dream. It's a yeah. fever dream in the way he made it. It's a fever dream in the way he edited it. The only thing that's keeping it attached to the earth is, is Costner. Costner's really good. But I mean... Stone has a way, and I think this is one of his best qualities as a director, of getting really good performances out of people who aren't even in the movie for that long. Bacon's amazing. Incredible. Like, this movie kind of reignites Bacon's career as like, all right, did, it, did I misevaluate this guy as, as the footloose Quicksilver guy? Do I need to rethink this? He walks in, he's got, the, he's like basically Brad Pitt, is shirtless. He's hitting on Costner at one point. He's only in one scene. This is a scenes. really strong case for him as the best caster of actors of his generation. Mm. That it, in every one of his movies, Michael Douglas in Wall Street, Charlie Sheen in Platoon, all of these, Jim Morrison in The Doors, like he knows how to locate the perfect person for his parts. You're correct. That's a great take. Even if you think of, yeah, think about Platoon, Platoon think about every single supporting role in Platoon. Defoe, Berenger, yeah. well, those guys even McGinley, yeah. Forrest well, even Nodiger, like yeah. any given Sunday that he realized Jamie Foxx could be Willie Beeman and he's the best part of that movie. But uh, on yeah. down the line, I thought I always thought his casting was really good. I also think this movie really fucked him up. And he talks about it. He said uh, at the 25th anniversary, he said it was a hot potato from the get go, much hotter than I thought. I didn't realize it would hit the central nerve core of the establishment, <laughs> and it did take its toll. I think it's changed the perception of me forever. Many now dismiss me as a filmmaker who is political and only in the conspiracy theories that labeled me. I was staggered. I wish in a way it just died off. The movies that he did before this were Platoon, Wall Street, Talk Radio, Born the Fourth of July, The Doors. And Salvador. 
Salvador. Well, yeah, and Salvador before Platoon. Yeah. But Platoon is when we know who he is. Yeah. But um, also, it's really important to talk about the two movies he wrote and like got nominated. Like, it's really important to talk about Midnight Express and Scarface. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because this is a cousin of Scarface, too. Because Scarface is completely over the top, right? I mean, if you think yeah. about it, Scarface is totally over the top and obsessed and also is a purported kind of true story that he takes these giant liberties But But with. to your point, though, about the X monologue, the other things that he's done, aside from those Oscar-winning and big noisy things, are he made Seizure and The Hand, and he wrote and had, good. and had rewritten Conan the Barbarian. Mm -hmm. He is still a genre filmmaker at heart, and this movie is not a fusty drama about the assassination of JFK. It's a thriller. Yeah. It's a pure It's so fucking entertaining. Thriller. Well, that's the other, when you said, why is it important? Because it is so damned entertaining, it makes you watch it over and over again, and then you start taking on these. Like, we're, we could all laugh at these theories, but give us three drinks, and I could convince you of a lot of the shit that's in this movie <laughs> is true. Like because I've, I've, it, I, by osmosis, I've taken it all in because I've watched the movie twenty times in the last twenty years. Plus, Chris gets covered in gold once a year. That's right. He doesn't talk about a lot. <laughs> Sean, let me flip this around on you. Okay. You find out Koppelman and Levine are making a James Dolan movie. And this is going to be the movie that really we figure out what the fuck was happening with yeah. the Knicks. Called Go New York Go, colon, <laughs> the James Dolan story. <laughs> and it's this really deep dive. <laughs> it's a deep dive of this guy who takes this beloved basketball team and ruins it. And they make the movie and it's like 70% factual. But then the Isaiah Thomas character is just a completely different person. It's... It's a gay white guy, like a Tommy Lee Jones wearing a bad wig, who's just a lunatic, who's having these weird parties, and he's intentionally destroying the team. And there's these things in there, and you're just like, that that didn't happen. Why is that in here? That are, are That you, is what I'm saying. So JFK <laughs> means to you what the Knicks mean to me? Is that what you're saying? Well, like at the JFK assassination, where you're like, finally, somebody's going right. to do this. Uh, and with Dolan, it's like, oh, finally, somebody's going to lift the hood and explain this fucking disaster. It's it's a very good question. I'd love to hear your take on this as well, Brian. But I've been wrote the um, script just now in his head. Yeah, the, 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 okay. <laughs> no. Okay. One, is the movie any good? Because that's ultimately what I care about. It's fucking great. Because JFK is good and Brian and David are good. So I expect yeah. it to be good. Two, what are the ramifications of the movie? What are, And what were the ramifications of JFK? What did they? What did it put into the culture? Because it doesn't prove anything, but it creates it creates an dialogue about yes. it. Yeah. yeah, as a filmmaker, I'm not bothered by uh, I, I, I'm not at all bothered by the making up, the compositing of a character, or the using um, of a certain dramatic scenes in a true story to serve the true thematics or to to serve the true idea or to serve what's actually the the kind of the truth without having to get bogged down in all the little details. For instance, like I think one of the things that has aged the best as a result of this movie is 13 Days, that film, the Roger Donaldson the, film. The Cuban Missile Crisis. The Roger yeah. Donaldson film written by David Self. That movie's fucking incredible and better every year. Every year you watch that movie, that movie's better. And I think it's as good as JFK. Also a Costner performance. Incredible Costner yeah. performance. And I watched it yesterday Tough to get accent. ready for this. What's that? D, D minus accent. Oh, well, for you. <laughs> Two you weeks pay! Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't Real like, needs plenty of bartenders! <laughs> well, even, even, you know, like Bruce Greenwood from Canada, he does a pretty good... Uh, uh, Costner's uh, rough. JFK. But that movie, like that character, I looked him up. 
uh, yesterday I read a lot about that character Costner played in, in, the, in that movie. You know, he was buddies with Bobby. He wasn't probably really in every one of those scenes. He really wasn't like making those decisions with them. Doesn't bother me at all because it, it was it's a way to get at what really happened with Jack and Bobby in a room. Yeah, I need to get over it because I think this is such an important story that when you're do, using filmmaker devices, like when Chris writes the script about the Ben Simmons, <laughs> the Ben Simmons saga. <laughs> you're, you're I want son. him to be authentic. <laughs> no, no. He's, he's son learning to make ben shots. Yeah, yeah. Like ben Simmons. About Ben taking over the ringer. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I don't know. I, I think Chris and I seem like we're slightly more bothered by I, some of it. I, but I'm, we are also more conspiracy I think the, the, <laughs> But I think it's almost more because we're so susceptible to it. Yeah. Uh, do you know funny. what I mean? Yeah, I you agree. You know, I'm like, I... I am almost like, I want to believe, you know what I mean? I want to believe in all this stuff. So it's almost disappointing to find out, not that he cut corners or that Garrison cut quarters or anything like that, but to Sean's point, it's like, there is Garrison's version of what happened. And then there's Stone's version of Garrison's thing. And then there is Stone's behavior in and around the movie. If we're just talking about the text, it's a fucking heavyweight champion. It's just an unbelievable experience. It's unlike almost any movie you'll yes. see. It, it is a thriller. It is just like, you know, it's it's one of my favorite little tidbits, not to step on half-ass internet research, is that James Woods wanted to play Garrison. Oh, yeah. But it was like, it needs to be about like the Garrison family and the crucible of this guy sacrificing what a, what a his family. Bad take. And it was just like all-time bad take, Jimmy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of, of a guy who's had, had his fair share of bad takes. And it's like, that's not the story. The story is this guy going down. It's an Alice in Wonderland well, The story. movie has to aspire to more, I would just say the movie... A way to think about it is a movie has to aspire to more than facts. A movie has to, a movie like this has to aspire to answer the question of what does it mean to live in an America where we don't learn for sure who overthrew the government. Mm -hmm. And if you're asking that kind of question and you're trying to and you're trying to ask it with all the tools you have as a storyteller and filmmaker to be bound by only the facts leads you to make a documentary, I think. And if you're once you're making a narrative film, I think you're going, this is what I feel like is the truth that's going to last for a long time and lead you to try to figure out what America means. I mean, I think as a result of this, I went to see Mailer, Norman Mailer, you know, wrote that book, um, Oswald's, what's it called? Oswald's Ghost or something? The Norman yeah. Mailer book. Came out in 95. I saw him speak when it came out. And Mailer, I think as a result of this, was like, and all the stuff that happened in those things, the files that Stone got released. He went into it thinking it was for sure a conspiracy. That's not if you know anything about Norm Mailer. Like, of course, that's what he did. And the book, he ends up being certain that Oswald acted alone. Mm -hmm. And so one viewer, Norman Mailer, one of the was one of the smartest guys in America at the time, he followed the trail that Oliver Stone kind of put out there and ended up all the way walking down it and coming to an entirely different home. But that's the thing is Mailer, a master of the counterintuitive take as well. Yes. <laughs> a person who zags yes. when everyone zags. Yeah. And in the same way that you guys are kind of rooting through your feelings because you're like, finally somebody put to paper, put to screen with real all these actors. feelings I have. And they yeah. did it at the highest level, but it isn't, it isn't what I think. And so how do I feel about that? This doesn't make sense. So how can this be right. real? Well, that scene where he writes off the mob, I mean, from, I've always felt it was the mob. And like for, I always felt it was just very straightforward. Like Joe Kennedy makes a promise. Yeah, JFK, fuck they, them. Joe yeah. Kennedy makes a promise. The wise guys deliver for Joe Kennedy. They hand the White House. Ohio goes. They hand the White House to Kennedy. 
He puts his brother in. His brother's like, let's fuck these Are guys. Are we doing this now? We're, do- we're doing conspiracies now? <laughs> can we, can we take a break? Let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. You can do it all right in the USAA app. And replacement cost coverage comes standard. That means damaged items are repaired or replaced even if they cost more today than they did when you bought them which could put your wallet at ease too, by the way. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Hulu, where this March there are enough new shows and movies to keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Stream the all-new documentary Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale set in Japan. And we are covering that in the Prestige TV podcast, by the way. All this and more is on Hulu this month. So what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. All right, come back. Go ahead. Well, I was just, because this is the, the only point. I wasn't doing the conspiracy. Is that that theory that like a lot of us believed at that time, Costner, did, 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 they do one paragraph to get rid of it. In that big argument scene, he just well, goes, Stone didn't you're telling me the, the mob can do this. You're telling me the mob can do that. That, that. Boom, 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 four lines, and that's it. And he does away with that whole, there have been 40 movies about Giancana and hundreds of books. And he just like goes, I don't, that that doesn't explain why I was in Vietnam. That's right. That's why it's a personal statement. That's, that's right. why it comes back to, he's going, no, no, no. If that's the case, then I went to Vietnam by accident. And I can't accept that it was just fate. It has to have been someone fucked me and put me in Vietnam. It has to be the military industrial complex. Chris, um, the noted philosopher and conspiracy theorist, Jacko, once said, <laughs> everyone's either a conspiracy theorist or a recovering conspiracy theorist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which are you? I think recovering after I the think last I'm couple recovering of years. Because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people have kind of gone the same way Miller did and just decided, oh, actually, probably Oswald did act alone. Do I you think know what most I think, sane people think that. Let's just say, regardless of, of whether or not, I don't know anything, of, I could never answer the question of whether Oswald acted alone. My favorite part of the X speech is when he's like, basically he's like, that's how it happens. It's just a, it's just an idea that gets floated and it's never said and it's never, pl- you know, exactly planned and it's all cellularized and no, there's no, it's all plausible deniability. And so I think that there was an idea. And, and do I know who did it? And do I know why they did it exactly? It's like, no. But I think there was 100%. Go for it. A fourth bullet. So you're, we're, just, we're just, we're fully into this. Now. I just, that's <laughs> what I, I don't believe. have anything to say about this. That's so what I, I just want to know. No, no, that's it. I don't no, have much to say about it either. I'm happy to stick, stick I think there. I just don't fourth. know. I don't know. I don't uh, know. But I think it's funny if we bullet. look at the text, why the way that Stone not bats down certain theories is pretty yeah. interesting. As a filmmaking yeah. technique. It was James Knoll, James Owen on the Grassy Knoll. <laughs> the problem with the Grassy Knoll is there's a photograph by the witness who's in this movie, and she has the only photograph going the other way mm. of the Grassy Knoll. And there's three people on one side, and then maybe somebody in the bushes, but you can't tell. But it kind of debunks the Grassy Knoll thing. Because if it was the Grassy Knoll, you would see somebody, unless it was like Dr. Dowd, who knows? My issues with the Kennedy thing and why I think it, it's super fishy, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, but like, the autopsy, 
the all the stuff that happened in the hospital room and what happened to some of the witnesses right after was really crazy. It's and all the movie taps fishy. into that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's actually all true. Of it is, and all of it is that's, that's the that's, truest mm, part of the movie. And that is by far the most compelling part of the new documentary, too, is that everything that happened with the autopsy is there's shenanigans. Like there are people who are taking over in those rooms and there's, it feels like there's body switching. Well, and just legitimately. For the, for but it doesn't members, seem, you wouldn't know, hey, this shooting happened since 1963. We don't have cell phones, we don't have anything. You wouldn't be able to spring into action the way all of these things springed into action. Now, the flip side of this compliment is, it's been 55 years. Wouldn't some of these people have talked? Like we even found out who fucking Deep Throat is. I know, but we have to say out. a couple things that matter. There are two bad, there are two things though that make it not just conspiracy because i'm not a conspiracy theorist i'm not a recovering one i don't hold big conspiracy theories You're i just agree you a pure guy i agree just i just think that four people involved in something it's going to come out rico it these things tend to, to surface there's a couple things though that are inexplicable and if you had them in a greek myth or something you would i mean bill you've been reading your shakespeare <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you got it a little later than I thought. I, yeah. I thought I, I thought I earned it though. There, it's yeah. earned in a way. But if you look at it, that that's a line from the movie, guys. Uh, um, but if, if you look at it, um, <laughs> if you look at it, uh, Jack Ruby is one of the craziest things that's happened in the whole history yeah. of the 20th century. That is an insane thing that he killed that guy on live television. Yeah, and During supposedly the allegedly secu security all over the place. And, and, Jack and Ruby like, if we just in. step back, the reason why the conspiracy theories aren't crazy in this one case, the guy who killed the president was allowed at a time when nobody in all of America could to defect to Russia and to return with no penalty. That's completely insane and unprecedented. And then, and while then he being, had Cuban ties, while being and. He was involved with all those people. These are just the factual things. What you're saying is Oliver Stone got it right. That, That's what yeah. you're saying. He Brian. got that. He got that. That's just true, though. That's not a... <laughs> no, sure you know it is. But, not, like, I, already, I have no idea how to interpret any of this. Like, Bill's but, like, I think a fourth bullet. Why not a ninth bullet? A 37th bullet? But, Sean, bullet. hold on. If I just told you these facts. Someone assassinated the president. The person were, cl was clearly involved with the American intelligence apparatus at some point because... He defected to Russia and came back with no penalty. And clearly, a lot of evidence ties him to these organizations that were In Cuba, tied sure. to the CIA and their operations. And then a wise guy, Jack Ruby was a wise guy associate. He ran these clubs for the mob. That's also just not conjecture. Mm -hmm. 100%. And that that guy was able to murder the guy who killed the president. Those things on this guy live is, TV. This is the, Before he could tell, those two facts, that's it for me. That's what makes me go. This is basically John Wilkes Booth 100 years later where we have security. Yeah. He's in a police station. Nobody should be able to get to him. That and was a conspiracy. fucking mafia guy but John Wilkes in Booth was a conspiracy. And shoots him and kills him. It's unbelievable. I have to, I have to, Chris, you, you've been in some interesting and powerful rooms, but you guys have been in more powerful rooms than we have. So I'm, I want to ask you this sincerely. Because I don't, I'm not a conspiracy person at all, but I do believe that power moves quietly. And I do believe that someone like Alan Dulles or someone like Sam Giancana can die with a secret. And in my very limited experience around people who have a lot of power and a lot of information, they will say something offhandedly, assuming that you are in the club and you will learn an extraordinary truth about a well-known person that is chilling or is fascinating or is hilarious. That hap that literally happens. Yeah. 
Is it possible that a very small, very small collection of powerful people made decisions, but it was unbeknownst to 98% of the other people who were involved? Yeah, yeah of course. That's For sure. What, I mean, that's... And that's, that's, that's yeah, I think that that's what it takes. Now, whether it's specifically David Ferry having cancer and, you know, all of this other shenanigans with Clay Shaw, I don't, I, I don't even care. I don't, yeah. but I do believe that something like this could happen. That's well, all. That's Mr. All X has the key line. He says, the real question isn't it, it's why. Yeah. I never realized Kennedy was so dangerous to the establishment. Is that why? Well, it's a real question, isn't it? Why? The how and the who is just scenery for the public. Oswald, Ruby, Cuba, the mafia keeps them guessing like some kind of parlor game prevents them from asking the most important question, why? Why was Kennedy killed? Who benefited? Who has the power to cover it up? Who? So it's a good question. Who benefited? And it's either the mafia, who's pissed at Kennedy because he double-crossed them, or this Russia-Cuban thing, both of whom were pissed at Kennedy, or the CIA, who, were who was worried that they were Kennedy was going to disband them. You had three people with real motives, and that's why we haven't been able to figure this out. Well, I think it's true that a lot of people in the military-industrial comp complex were, not just Bay of Pigs, were frustrated with the way that Kennedy handled the Cuban missile crisis, meaning Americans were very grateful and happy with the way he handled it. But trading the weapons in Turkey for the weapons in Cuba mm -hmm. when he could have gone in, you could see why that that group of people, I, I can't see, that's where I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't actually, I can't think that a governmental conspiracy like that could be kept quiet. Well, the best years. case against it is- Because some governmental guy would have talked. The best case the of, against though. it is the CIA, there's so many incompetent stories about them during this time. Like the most famous one was- they had this whole plan to make Castro's beard disappear because it would have been humiliating to him. Yeah. And it, they fucked it up and it came and they out. They tried to give him like a poison that would have his yeah. hair yeah. fall out. They were yeah. Like the, fucking beard fall out. <laughs> they were like the three stooges half the time. Yeah. So to pull off this mastermind awesome thing, it would be, I think would have been But everything that the X character talks about where he's just like misinformation campaigns, propaganda, psyops, like all this stuff, which is like, you think about them happening in some of these far off lands and it, I feel like the world probably felt a lot less small back then because of the yeah. lack of media and stuff. It's like, that's just exactly what we're talking about is like once you, once you get into a world where you're guessing whether or not something's a false flag or something was done to make people think this was happening with Cuba, then like, like you're up is down and black is white. Also, there are so many close calls to this kind of thing. Like, yes, in our era now even, like I won't make this political, I promise. But like the call, the calls that were made during the 2020 end of the election thing, if you read any of those books, one person just deciding to do something slightly differently and a, a whole bunch of other dominoes would mm -hmm. have fallen mm. and we never would have really known because if those people didn't raise their hand, now we were in a slot, they did. But if they didn't, like a whole bunch of dominoes would have fallen. But that idea insinuates that there is a puppet master quality to this, that there is a long game with a lot of different parts. And I think what is more likely, I don't know in this case, but in general, when things like this happen, there's an idea and it evolves and something goes wrong. Yeah. And so they change the move and then a different move happens. Like the Jack Ruby thing is a great example. The Jack Ruby thing happening on live television, one of the craziest things of all time. Is that exactly how 
they were supposed to take care of no, Oswald. I mean, it th- feels like an improvisation. To your in point, in, in Libra, it's they're supposed to miss. In Libra, they're supposed to miss Kennedy. Or, or they were supposed to kill, or, or sure, to scare him. Or they were supposed to kill Oswald at the movie theater, but they didn't count on during the day that it would be that that crowded. Mm-hmm. Right. There are lots of, right, or Tippett was supposed to yeah. kill, uh, Tippett was supposed to kill Oswald. The cop, yeah. So then, in the end, there, there's there's lots of ways, I mean, that's, well, also, also, just a full plug for American tabloid. If you if yeah, you right, want to okay. know about this shit, that's one of the best novels of the last fifty years. And uh, and this Libra's great, but Don DeLillo, if you're not somebody who reads a lot, <laughs> <laughs> you might not want to just dive right into the fucking DeLillo deep end. Whereas, go read James Elroy. It's the moment you start start reading, you can't stop. You, and Chris never puts that parental advisory sticker on his DeLillo <laughs> recommendations ever. <laughs> I mean, come on, really? You go, go read Underworld, everybody. It's it's 200 pages about one at bat. Well, they definitely, <laughs> they definitely <laughs> fucked. That's how Grantland started. <laughs> it's true. They definitely fucked with the Zabruder film too. In the, because in general, like if, the that's a good deep dive because yeah. that existed for a couple of years before people saw it. And the original group of people who saw it all said the limo stops. And by the time we get the Zapruder film going, the limo never stops. Mm-hmm. And Stone says in the movie, he it says it stops. See, the limo stops. He says that in the movie. The, the people there were like, the limo fucking stopped. Wow. And so many of them moved toward, like, they oh were kind goodness. of over there toward the smoke and the grass. No, like, those are real things. And the witnesses, a lot of them were just counted. That's another thing in the X speech that he clarifies when he's essentially recounting the Zapruder film. And he's like, they, they never would have gone around that turn. You know, they never would have. Like, and those are things that I accepted as fact. Because the, I, that, I, that the character was saying, like, you were like, oh, that must be true. Yes, like, all these. Because yeah. he's, it's delivered with such confidence. Right, into the kill zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm like, is the, that a thing? Like, if you're in military intelligence or you were working the so, Secret Service, and, and like, this is, is the this problem. how it's mapped is, out? You re- you read one rebuttal of it and it's like no, and then you read the rebuttal of the rebuttal and it's like in fact you know and it's <laughs> yeah it, I don't know well I'm, there definitely wasn't a lot of security there I mean that's a fact and for whatever reason they didn't seem that concerned that the president was riding around in a motorcade in hostile territory with nobody kind we're of we're having out dinner tonight uh, the person who's I don't want to say who it is but you guys know the person who's joining us his stepfather was on the I was a secret service man on the advance detail in mm. Dallas. Oh. So he and th- that person just died a few years ago and so the guy who's coming to dinner with us is uh had a lot of conversations with him about what really happened. <laughs> Can you make it sound so, like Lee Oswald's son is coming to dinner with us or something? Well, I just don't want to <laughs> Lee, Lee Jr. I don't want I don't know if the person who's coming to dinner has talked publicly about yeah, his stepfather fair. so I just don't want to do that but we'll ask that we we can ask that question. Let's go uh to the movie quick. Just Costner, the run he was Just on. Just quickly, before we get back to LBJ. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Costner's on the No Way Out, or I'm sorry, Untouchables, No Way Out, Bull Durham, Field of Dreams, Revenge, <laughs> which I kind of enjoyed. Dance with Wolves, which wins all the Oscars. Robin Hood, which makes a shitload of money, comes out like six months before this. And then JFK, and then he's got Bodyguard the following year, but he's the biggest star in the yeah. world. Hank's, he doesn't realize Hanks, much like Lee Harvey Oswald, is <laughs> up in the book depository <laughs> waiting to take him yeah. out and take his spot. <laughs> but um, the fact that he was in this movie at this point in his career gave it an incredible amount of credibility. Because it was like, well, Costner's in this. They must have really taken this seriously. Um, can, the film did well, too. Oh, God. Well, can I just ask you, like, why do you think you wanted to do this? Because this is a big I think he risk. wanted to work with Stone. I think he liked working with it's big also, filmmakers. It's to kill a mockingbird. 
he gets he the get speech. a big monologue. Yeah, yeah he, he gets an awesome speech. You, you could say that's one of the best moments of his career, if not the best moment. The, the last act. Yeah, yeah, that last speech. It's yeah. really good. That's the best acting. And he's really crying. Probably done. Scene, yeah. yeah. Koppelman was too. Koppelman was crying watching it. He's incredible, man. He's so great I think you want to work with Oliver Stone at that moment in time. Tom Cruise just won the Oscar with him. Yeah, just, Stone's yeah, like, I'll go true. get I'll or whatever. Get every good actor. I guess Tom got nominated. Did he win? Did he, he win? Didn't win. He, he didn't win. He got nominated, but he didn't win. But, he, but Douglas he, did win right. for Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, right. yeah, that's the run he's on. That's yeah. why, right? Yeah. He he, yeah. he gets Cruz nominated, and he he brings Michael Douglas to the thing, and the movie's preceding this. Well, also, Stone and, can promise, yeah. I'm going to get every good actor, and you'll actually believe him in 1991. It's like, oh, yeah, you probably will. It's just such a, it's such a bold movie. Yeah. And Costner is... A ver- is a great actor and a great movie star, one of the greatest movie stars of his generation. Couldn't agree more. But is he a bold filmmaker? Does he work with bold filmmakers? I, it's it's debatable. He makes great movies. Did he ever do anything this transgressive again? Probably not. I mean, I mean, he did I make these weird. In a way. He did make some weird, like Mike Binder he gets weird movies. Yeah, yeah, he got yeah weird but in the in the sort of like second half. Of in his the career, second half yeah. of career, I I think he did, and I I even think Yellowstone is for its time now. That's a subversive show. Sure, if you think yeah. about yeah. it. Yeah, um, I I think he is what you said, one of the great movie stars. I mean, I wrote a piece for Grantland about how Dances with Wolves should not have beaten Goodfellas, uh, and mm. uh, but still, he's. You know, it's still a really good movie, but it shouldn't have been yeah. good. It's a great movie. That's yeah. I think he's I I think Kevin Costner is one of the all time greats. Yeah, but that's that movie is him putting himself in the lineage with John Wayne and yeah, that was obviously Western when stars. he made Wyatt Earp. Like he's trying to you know he wants to be a part of that. I mean, he did go work. I mean, he worked with De Palma mm-hmm. before this, right? But on one, the most quote unquote conventional De Palma. Yeah, movie. sure. So, you know, the hero movie. This movie not only did gangbusters and won some won a couple Oscars, had nominations, but. He showed it to Congress in 1991, December. It led to the 1992 Assassinations Disclosure Act. I wonder if Arlen Specter signed went to that by screening. President George H.W. Bush, hmm. um, promising to release all relevant documents by 2017, November. Did not happen. It seemed like there was a moment where the one positive of the Trump presidency would be Trump just bulldozing. Uh, yeah, what and be happened? Like, We're releasing everything. Even Trump was afraid to cross the line. So it's still in purgatory and there's still all these and documents. Biden delayed it a year, I think. And Biden said. delayed it. So it's just, we just drag on. There, I, I don't understand it, but uh, 12% of the documents are still not out. In your heart of hearts. I think there's some bad CAI stuff in there. But is it about this specifically? Is it that they orchestrated? I think it's about a lot of the stuff they're doing late 50s, early 60s. I don't think they want out. That would be my guess. Right. I think they, they I think things got. You think it's about Malcolm X yeah. and Martin yeah. Luther King? Yeah, yeah I think yeah, they yeah, did yeah, some yeah, revealing yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Well, they did. CR, what do you think about what the CIA did in the early sixties? Tell us everything you think they did. <laughs> I can't now comment on that, nor <laughs> would I be at liberty to, even if I had knowledge. Of I mean, those Hoover was, Hoover was a flat out maniac, which is why <laughs> yeah. the Leo movie was so disappointing. Hoover was a sociopath. Yeah, and was running the most important intelligence agency we had for a long time. You know. Again, let, 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 let us point you to the works of James Elroy, everybody, because he is obsessed with this. So question. Stone's version of the assassination is this. New Orleans was the heart of the conspiracy. Why was Oswald there? Guy Bannister and David Ferry ran a Cuban counterintelligence operation mongoose. Clay Shaw was their money guy ringleader. And then Kennedy was executed because it was a coup d'etat. 
to put Lyndon Johnson in, who was more favorable in a bunch of ways for these people. Didn't want him to withdraw from Vietnam. Didn't want the Cold War to end. All the war contracts were at stake. Um, Garrison's case in, involves three key witnesses in this movie. One is David Ferry. Complete narrative breakdown in that part. One is Willie O'Keefe, the gay prostitute played by Kevin Bacon. That person does not exist. And then Garrison going to see X, played by Donald Sutherland, who is a completely made-up character. These are the three people who swing the plot of this movie. And then I'm okay with it, even though it annoys me. I still enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's pre, it, those are the three people that push the narrative along. Is O'Keefe a made-up character or a composite of a bunch of He's different... based off Perry Russo, I think. Right? It's a based-on character. Uh, there's been some really good hit pieces on this movie, just from breaking it. The best one was Edward J. Epstein in The Atlantic, which was a couple years after. Um who really focused on how bad Garrison's trial was. Yeah, I, I read this. The before, trial yeah. really fell apart in a like embarrassing way. Like Garrison came out badly for years after. So I think that's part of, the New York Times said it was one of the most disgraceful chapters in the history of American jurisprudence. You know what this reminded me of revisiting it too, as you think, of, if we think about the Garrison trial, this happened a lot in the Sorkin movie, The Trial of the Chicago 7. It really put to light the, what that judge in that trial was like. And a lot of the lines from that film are culled directly from the court transcript. And the judge also in the Garrison trial is, per, you know, projected to be this in, unjust... Member author. of the apparatus. Yes. Yeah, right. And I, I, that's another thing that I don't know how true or not true that is. Like in Epstein article, he's like, Jimmy Garrison basically seems like a loon through the entirety of the trial. But in the film, obviously, he's this... He's Jimmy he's Stewart. Kevin Costner, yes. yeah. But, but also when you watch, like, there's so many things that... I, I, I'm sure all of you have seen Fog of War at least one time. I mean, you watch Fog of War and you hear McNamara just talking. It does make you think like any of this shit is possible. Because in the Fog of War, people make really bad decisions that they think are serving the right master. Yeah. And only to turn out that they're not. So like, could someone have said to that judge, to this one, buy the book? Or, you know, Jimmy Garrison's gone crazy. I mean, especially in a pre-internet age. How many? How hard is it to whisper to some local court? You know, Garrison was a DA. He wasn't a United States attorney. He wasn't a federal trial. Yeah. You know, it's 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 the most local lawyer trying the prosecutor in this municipality trying this case. How many hot takes am I allowed on this podcast? I mean, it's, it's, your, it's your dime, man. This is open season. I feel like if you're ever going to go, <laughs> we're crazy, on the JFK this is podcast yeah. the, in person. Tatum and Brown can't play together. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like LBJ was involved in some way. So does Oliver Stone. I really do. I really think he might have been involved. And that, that he knew. You said that like you were afraid what is Robert Carroll Has Robert Carroll written, uh, ever written about this question? I think, I don't know whether he participated in the assassination anyway, but I think he knew about a dissenting force that was rising in a way that was going to be good for him and may, may have known more than he ever let on about that they were going to try to go after Kennedy. And he hated Bobby specifically, mm -hmm. but he kind of hated both Kennedys. I mean, there's been crazy rumors about how bad that relationship was, even stuff that happened on the plane when they were flying the body home and well, who I, knows. The reason that if that feels credible, whether it is historically credible or not, is because he's 
well-known prior to becoming the vice president as the ultimate deal maker, right? That he's yes. the guy who yeah. is the king of negotiations, master of the Senate. Of the Senate. Yeah. And so you get the impression, you know, they, they Stone creates a scene in which LBJ is talking to the, the generals and the heads of, of Secret Service, the head of the CIA, about what he's going to get out of it and what he's going to do for them in Vietnam when he gets the As seat. long as he gets his election. Right. But I don't Mac, 100% believe of, it, but I think it's believable. Fog of War. I mean, Fog of War. McNamara's talking about the first, that phone call with LBJ right at the beginning. But yeah. the, the more, I think the more relevant Errol Morris movie then is the Rumsfeld movie because that movie is about how people who have those jobs are driven by ego. And yeah. like this, the LBJ thing is an ego thing. He's a, he's actually a- What's the Rumsfeld movie called? Uh, called the Unknown Known. Rummy. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I yeah, I just thought of it as fog of war light. It, I mean, it <laughs> it's is. not the, it the, the, the like semi fog of Robert McNamara, like trying to make sense of what he did and what he was responsible for, versus this vain, callow vampire like talking about going to Iraq is is different. Yeah, McNamara wasn't a sociopath, and Rumsfeld comes off like yes. sociopath. It's so, worth mentioning yeah. also that Errol Morris did a really great The Umbrella Man six minute yeah, video right. for the Times called Umbrella Man, which is about oh the, send that to me. I don't know. Yeah, I, that's really that. good. I yeah. missed that one somehow. Yeah. yeah, when you look at the Kennedy thing, you you your mind has to go to who won who won from this. That's what I always look like. Sean and I, when we'll read some magazine feature where feature where there's unnamed <laughs> the sources, and we're you like were doing it with Get right, Back. Yeah. yeah, who's who who win who. Who has Who something benefits? to gain from having this quote in there or whatever? You can kind of play chess with it. LBJ, definitely a winner. The military complex, definitely a winner. And the CIA, definitely a winner. The mafia, a winner if they really felt aggrieved from Kennedy. But The mafia won for a long time from it. I mean, eventually. Yeah. The mafia was winning all over the what's place. What's the, just while we're on the topic, what, I can't remember, what's the hypothesis of the Irishman with this? With this, with the JFK assassination? Yeah, I can't remember what, what happens in Ireland. Is the implication that they're involved, right? Oh, that it's oh, hinted he's, at. He yeah. hates him. He keeps talking about how much yeah, he hates yeah, him because right. he's fucking Robbie betrayed him, Bobby betrayed him, and all right. that shit. Um, um, we're we're way behind schedule, so I got to keep moving. Um, the uh, this is justice we're seeking. What schedule well, are we on? Uh, <laughs> so Stone does that. They do the PR. Whenever for you get it. close to the truth, they always want to move <laughs> you along. You're you part get of close the apparatus. The truth, they want to push you out. Stone for the. As they're promoting the movie, people are attacking the movie and it becomes part of the promotion of the movie and it just makes people want to see it even more. So that happens. Um, he wrote a documented screenplay book after heavily annotated. I, bought, I bought that book, yeah. read it. In which he once. cites sources for nearly every claim made in the film. Probably doesn't address the characters made up. <laughs> our, our supporting cast includes Kevin Bacon, Donald Sutherland, Joe Pesci, Ed Asner, Jack Lemmon, Walter Matthau, Gary Oldman. Tommy Lee Jones, Michael Rooker, John Candy, and Laurie Metcalf. Not bad. Not a bad. I'm glad you brought up Laurie Metcalf. That's episode five of Billions for some of the Koppelman who can <laughs> just bring in big act. But I mean, for a movie, pretty impressive. Uh, yeah. Guy named John Williams did the music. I don't know if you've heard <laughs> of him. Score is incredible. Amazing score. Yep. Uh, Robert Richardson, cinematographer. Our uh, boy. Oscar winner. Wins, I, wins some gold. He's an Apex Mountain candidate for me. For this, uh, Richardson is one of the greats who ever lived. Yeah. Was the editing techniques in this movie just had not been done before? Now they now they seem pretty relatively standard. We've seen it a bunch of times, but in 1991, had not seen it. Here are the Oscars. JFK nominated, loses to Silence of the Lambs. JFK uh, Oliver Stone nominated. 
Our best director that year, Jonathan Demi wins, John Singleton, Barry Levinson for Bugsy. People love Bugsy that year. Still trying to figure that out. Oh, Oliver Stone, I JFK, Ridley Scott, Thelma and Louise. Oh, yeah. We That's have, a hell of a year, by the way. Those are all really, really strong movies. We have one Best Supporting Actor nomination from this movie. Yeah. Can you guess what it was? Clay Bertrand. Clay Shaw. Tommy Lee. Clay Shaw. He wins Tommy the Lee. Oscar. No. He does not. Jack the Fugitive is on Jack Pounds. Oh, he wins no, Jack for the Pounds. Fugitive the same, that year? Or yeah. the, no, he no, wins that, the Fugitive right, like years two later. years later. Yeah. I got to say, I would have I had Sutherland. If I had to pick one Supporting Actor nomination, I think Sutherland. I thought Sutherland is so amazing in that scene. He just fucking crushes it. It's, it's 60 so good. minutes. It's, it's, he just blacks out. So good. We'll do it at rewatchable scene. Right? I, I, for, I think there's a case for almost everybody. I think Bacon, Bacon. and Pesci and all, all, all of them enough. have a case for it. Mm -hmm. Have a case for what? Well, Supporting actor. Well, the more, more you think so? I think Pesci's... I, thought Pesci's I think it's the single worst. I love Joe Pesci. Can't meet a bigger Joe Pesci fan. I don't like Pesci's I thought his work in the I, over. I thought his work in The Irishman was like the best thing I've seen in years. And I don't understand the performance. I think he in the serves, serves at all. what they're the categories. to do perfectly. But we can, we can debate it. $40 million budget made $205 million, Eight Academy Award, Award nominations. Uh, one, two. Best cinematography. Best film editing. Our last Oliver Stone movie to win Academy Awards. Mm. Really? Yeah, that was it. Roger Ebert, our guy. Over the moon. Four stars. Best movie of the year, right? The achievement of this film is not that it answers the mystery of the Kennedy assassination because it does not. That's it. Raj, coming through. Its achievement is that it tries to marshal the anger, which ever since 1963 has been gnawing away on some dark shelf of the national psyche. Perfect. That's his, why he's our guy. His essay in the Great Movies book on this movie is one of his best pieces. Said it was the year's best. So it was one of the top 10 films of the decade. Walter Cronkite called him and berated him. Was furious that That's Ebert awesome. loved this The lead movie. of his review. Yeah. yeah. Walter Cronkite. Out of... Out of... Just calls Roger Ebert? Can't believe he liked him? it. Yeah. He had to lecture him Move about how that it, was not that it was not factual. We're going to take a break then we're going to do the categories. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. All right, most rewatchable scene. Um, I like the God I'm ashamed to be an American today. Costner when he really like it's, just, it's over the top and then that guy's know. the guy's had a couple of uh, Dixies uh, in the bar he's just letting one out he's I, had a couple I'm of Sazeracs in, I'm that scene uh, Costner laying out the conspiracy in New Orleans to Bill and Lou there's the CIA there's uh, the and he's just pointing around and they're it's the way amazing. they're editing it it's really good job and what's that little saying they have once O and I always O and I 
Well, he likes working near his old pals. Bill, Lou, we are standing in the heart of the United States government's intelligence community here in New Orleans. That's the FBI there, all right? That's the CIA. That's the Secret Service. That's the ONI. Now, doesn't this seem to you a rather strange place for a communist to spend his spare time? The movie makes you want to drink, though, when you just pointed that out. Yeah. Doesn't it? I, got, I, had a, mm. I'm, I don't drink New a Orleans, lot. Though. Any movie in New Orleans but, makes but you want to It's New Orleans and just everybody's drinking. Yeah. 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 Like, I, I two fingers of brown. I, had, I, I don't drink scotch, really, and I got a bottle of scotch, and I started drinking it watching this the other night. Makes me want to smoke. For real. It does. It makes you want to do those things. Oh, I, it's the only place I still smoke, New Orleans. John Candy's big scene. If I answer that question you keep asking, if I give you the name of the big enchilada, you know, then it's Bon Voyard Dino. I mean, like, pulling it. I mean, like a bullet in my head, you dig? You're a mouse fighting a gorilla. Kennedy's as dead as that crab meat. The government's still breathing. You want to line up with a dead Keep man? My lips, Dino. Either you dance into the grandeur with the real identity of Claire Bertrand, or your fat behind's going to the slammer. Now, you dig me? You're as crazy as your mama. Goes to show it's in the jeans. You have any idea what you're getting yourself into, Daddy-o? The government's going to jump all over your head, Jimbo, and go cock-a-doodle-doo. Dino. Yeah. When did John Candy, when did he die? Like, within a couple years of this, probably? Well, they 90s, killed him, Bill. 90s. They killed him. <laughs> <laughs> he said they were going to kill him if he spoke out. Poor Kennedy's guy. as dead as that crab meat. The <laughs> they put the heat on my man. <laughs> you going to line up with a dead man, just Jimbo? Just like you doing. I just said the first thing came into my cabeza. <laughs> you a mouse fighting a gorilla. Also, the sunglasses move around. He's like, Dino, he put down up. that crab meat. <laughs> Chris, we got to start working this in all of our conversations. You have any idea what you're getting into, Daddy? <laughs> just in any sort of NBA conversation. Every also, time, also, just every time you talk, you just want to make sure to remind people that you're their friend. Your Cosner, right. I love that. Now, you and I have been friends, thick as yeah. Dave, since law school. <laughs> yeah. Daddy-o. Daddy-o. Next but. time KOC is like, I want to write something about the systemic problems of the Lakers' defense. He's like, you got any idea what you're getting into, Daddy-o? <laughs> Frank Vogel. <laughs> this is bigger than Frank Vogel. Kevin Bacon scene. Things you're saying, Willie, are going to be attacked by a lot of different people. Oh, bring all those motherfuckers on, man. Bring their college degrees in here. I got nothing to hide. You can't buy me. They can't buy me. I don't even need Nobody this damn parole. See, this is about the truth about coming parole? out. You a goddamn liberal, Mr. Garrison. You don't know shit because you never been fucked in the ass. This ain't about justice. You think this is about justice? No, this is about order. Who rules? Because, see, fascism is right, coming nobody back. Wants to fascism buy, nobody is... wants to buy you. No one's promising you a parole here. I want to be perfectly clear about that. What I need to know is why. Kevin Bacon just comes in and hits four threes from 30 feet, culminating with him going, you don't know shit because you've never been fucked in the ass. <laughs> Which I can't believe was in the script. That is the part, though, like, bacon scene is when everybody in this movie is just Ashley Schaefer from Eastbound and Down. <laughs> <laughs> like a snake sunning itself on the road. <laughs> Mr. Gasson, I'd love to see you again. <laughs> You're not uh, a bad-looking man. Pesci's last big scene. Oh, what a deadly web we weave when we practice to deceive. And who killed the president? Oh, man, why don't you fucking stop it? Shit, who did... This is too fucking big for you. You know that? This is who did the president? Who killed Ken? Fuck, man! It's it's a mystery. It's a mystery wrapped in a riddle inside an enigma. The fucking shooters don't even know. Don't you get it? Fuck, man! I can't keep talking like this. You're gonna fucking kill me! I'm gonna fucking die! Who the 
fuck pulls whose chain? Who knows? <laughs> the fucking shooters don't even know. Do you get it? <laughs> that part's great. I I agree with Cop, but Pe- Pesci dials it up a little yeah, bit. Even too the much. like the smoking, like like the wig is like too, out of the control. The wig is terrible, and I know the real guy. I've looked, we've all looked up the real guy, but he never inhales when he's smoking. Yeah. He's just kind of puffing out. It's Tom the Cruise. Performance Tom just, Cruise. Smoking. We're skipping by. The I just want to say a doesn't. special special note about the first Pesci interrogation. Where he's like, right. "Oh, n- you're right. Now that I remember, me and my, some young friends of mine went goose hunting. <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah, oh, oh, we did leave the goose. <laughs> we did leave the rivals in. The, yes, they, they. We did leave the rivals in the car. No, but my favorite, and I'll say, when I was in the theater, I remember. And it was before I started really writing, but I would notice dialogue, you know, it was still, and the, I'm sorry that this has to end unpleasantly for you, David, that he's going to detain him. And the way Costner comports himself in that scene before he goes crazy, because it's the beginning, Mm -hmm. and just the way he handles himself, that's such a movie star sequence. Uh, The way he manages that scene on a Sunday, um, is uh is incredible to just the opposite of the Easter Sunday thing. Underrated aspect of this movie in general is that when you set a film in New Orleans, yeah, and you cast all actors like this, it lets all of them just be Foghorn Leghorn. You know, they're just like, ah, say, <laughs> snake, sunning yourself like a snake in the sun. <laughs> but an amazing thing about what you just said, where I thought you were maybe going with the New Orleans thing, and it goes back to Bob Richardson, the filmmaking thing is. Like the mezzanine scene in this movie, like just everything that you, everything you see in every frame, because it's New Orleans, it's just like oh god, the Dean oh. scene when they're flambeing something yes. at the other table yeah. in the restaurant, and it's every, like it's like stacks and layers and layers of stuff in the frame all the time. There's just this amazing shit in the frame. Uh, you're just feeling, don't you? feel the new, like Angel Heart does this incredibly well. I think, but where you feel mm-hmm. Angel Heart rewatchables. Yeah, I will fly out. Uh, you feel um, there's a there. All right, it's a small spoiler. There's a run about this in Villains next year. Um, about Angel Heart, obsessively watching Angel Heart because the the uh, but New Orleans and the way that it's a character in in the movies. Heaven's Prisoners. <laughs> the Alec Where do you stand movie? on that one? Uh, I don't remember it fondly. I, haven't a, seen I it think in a while. it's the most underrated New Orleans movie. I don't know that movie. What is that? What's it called? Alec Baldwin, uh, Terry Hatcher. I Terry Hatcher. All oh, right. I don't even. I never heard it. What year? It's not Terry James Hatcher. Patterson. Like who's ninety-seven? Who's whose book is that? Can't remember. What's Eric it called? Ra- Say the title. Eric again. Roberts. Heaven's Prisoners. I don't know. Eric Roberts. Last Chance. You guys have all seen it. All three of you have seen that yeah. movie. Yeah. How did I miss it? Ninety-six. I saw it in the it's theater. Classic Baldwin. He's just covered in sweat the whole movie. It's just like reeks of New Orleans. Etouffee. Ninety-six. <laughs> I was playing a lot of poker. Phil Jeanneau. Spare time. Oh wow. Oh, the great Phil Jeanneau. I love that guy's uh, state of grace. You have Prisoners? No, I've seen it. Sure. Yeah. Wait, Phil Jeanneau directed that movie? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's Eric Roberts. State script, of Grace is an incredible Script film. by Scott Frank. Eric Roberts, who worked on a New Orleans accent for months, I think, before, and is doing like that. You think you're bigger than me, Robichaud? <laughs> <laughs> like Al Bobman's playing this guy, Robichaud. It's good. I don't, I don't know how I missed prisoners. Phil Jeanneau and yeah. fucking Scott Frank yeah. movie. I, all right. I'll so, watch it this weekend. Um, Mr. X, anything else to say in Mr. X scene or no? Just Dale Dye wearing aviator sunglasses indoors. <laughs> Big did, fan of that. Did you shout out Garrison as, uh, Earl Warren? Earl Warren? Yeah. I had it coming later, but yeah. All right. Because <laughs> I, I, I find that rewatchable. I, because I rewind all the time. It's this like, is, hey, that's the actual him. Jim Garrison. I rewind to watch his, like, those eyes trope. that he has. So this is a true, this is a true story. When I first moved to Los Angeles to work for Grantland, 
Did not have a lot of friends in LA. My closest friends, Chris and his wife, Phoebe. Spent a lot of time together, especially in the first couple of years. They would come over to our house. We would go over to their house Friday nights. You get to that point when you're hanging out on a Friday night, three, four, five hours have gone by. You've key dinner, party? You've had ice cream. No key party. That's ridiculous. <laughs> no, but where you're like sitting in front of the TV and you're like, what's on? There's nothing on. Mm. And on more than one occasion, I forced Eileen, my wife, and Phoebe to watch the Mr. X scene and to be like, I just oh. want you guys to understand when Chris and I are alone, this is what we do. This is what it sounds like. This is this is how we talk to each other. And uh, I, I don't think they enjoyed it one time. They never enjoyed it. They were miserable every time we did it. But like, this is true. Tell, oh, yeah. tell me I'm wrong. No, this is one of the all time. I have 30 minutes to kill. Yeah. I'm dialing up X JFK Sutherland. That's for me that Boogie Nights, the second when he shows up at Jack Horner's house, just that 35 minutes. <laughs> it's just my favorite 35 minutes of my life. There are some movies that have those great, they're like, they're not scenes. They're like extended yeah. segments. Me- mega yeah. sequences. Yeah. Uh, two more scenes for this. Jim explaining the magic bullet theory, which became iconic when Seinfeld grabbed onto it. And then a little bit later, the back and to the left. The president going back and to his left. Shot from the front and right. Totally inconsistent with a shot from the depository. Again, back to the left. Back and to the left. Back and to the left. Back and to the left. Leading to his big monologue. It's X, though. X is the answer. Yeah. More than the John Candy scene. Oh, yeah. I, I love vote, the John I vote Candy for the John scene. Candy scene, but yeah, I, I, I understand. I also like the interrogation of Clay Shaw. Did we mention that? It's great. I like that. I also love the Jack it's Lemon good. scene. The Jack Lemon at the horse track scene. Yeah, I have oh, that Oh, that's down. great too. Yeah, I have Jack Lemon one. at the track down, yeah. Yeah. for sure. You gonna line up with a dead man, Jimbo? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you also, Ed, when you were running before, you were, you were, you were running uh, that Mathow and Lemon, but we, I mean... The movie basically opens with Ed Asner beating the it's shit out of Jack Lemmon. With a pistol, yeah. <laughs> the pistol, yeah. In the 2000s, I had a fantasy football team called Guy Bannister P.I. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story. That's I would have watched that show. Uh, all right, what's aged the best? Can I go, can I say number one, because we haven't said it yet, yep. and it, it is what's aged the best, is what? Oldman. Mm. He, he is so I had him down fucking good as Oswald and looks like Oswald it's yeah. fucking great it's yeah. so creepy but he is actually like when you think about what that must have been like for him I can only imagine they shoot a movie with Os- Oswald like he does everything that they they they, yeah. they present like his past they present all the, the day of they present all the stuff in New Orleans leading up to it Gary Oldman must have shot JFK on his own with Oliver Stone and like I would love like if they just did the Gary Oldman cut, mm. and it's like, here's the Lee Harvey okay, Oswald so movie. so did you see the, do you know that they no. did this whole, the Gary so in, the deleted, in the deleted scenes, there's a 16 minute sequence that Oldman said to Oliver Stone, uh, hey, can you just point the camera at me? I have some shit I want to say. And Stone goes, it was really late, but uh, I had a lot of faith in Gary that he understood the character. So I kept everyone there and I was like, Woody. And he goes, yeah. I just have a bunch of stuff I want to say as Oswald. Could you just put the camera on me? And he puts the camera on him. And Gary Oldman just goes and just does this whole elegiac thing. And then Stone shot him in a casket and laid this whole huge sequence out that you guys can find on YouTube of Oldman talking and he's just his, his kind of disembodied head. 
and because Stone was so taken with it. And then he was going to end the movie with this oh my God. whole thing of Lee Harvey Oswald <laughs> would have been a mistake. <laughs> this was his plan. And then yeah. somehow, like, obviously the drugs wore off and he made a different <laughs> call. But that was the the plan at, at one, one point. So maybe it's interesting. You More think, Wood Sage the best. The Seinfeld 1992 spoof, The Boyfriend. Also features Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight somehow in both mm. both things because he's playing Newman. Well, it also features Keith Hernandez. And Keith Hernandez. I mean, one of the greatest living humans. Probably the last great moment in Mets history until you sign <laughs> Max Scherzer. Also, weirdly, I think Keith Hernandez, this is the worst thing about him. I think he's a QAnon guy. So like there's some synchronicity to all this. You know, it's all it's all kind of fitting together. That you really was, flipped pretty quickly on Keith Hernandez there. Well, I can't say I uh, agree with his political points of view, but I love to listen to him call Mets games. Yeah. I was there for every minute of Seinfeld. The Boyfriend was the episode where it was like, oh, this is going to be the biggest show in the world. That was the first time that, you really that, felt that it. Episode? That episode? Oh, interesting. Yeah. It tapped. It just was perfect. All the characters were in place. They knew who they were. And Seinfeld, the, that whole uh, double spitter thing was fucking lights out. It was so good. Does Seinfeld work for your kids? Um, no, they like friends. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's too bad. Uh, what's age the best? The wig battle between Pesci and Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Tommy Lee wins. <laughs> it's a 10-8 round, but yeah. a good battle. I wish there were more wigs. We mentioned Kevin Bacon's career, which he admits. He said this movie was a turning point. Reignited him. He got a few good men. Oh. And all of a sudden, uh -huh. he's in everything. Um Oliver Stone's Dave cameo has aged the best for me. <laughs> Shows up in Dave two years later when he's like, if you look closely, the president, it's just, it was funny that he was self-deprecating about it. You mentioned Oldman. I just wrote this down, Chris. Tommy Lee in gold paint yeah. getting slapped by Pesci dressed as a dangerous liaison's character. I was going to save this for Apex Mountain, but it's definitely Apex Mountain for the New Orleans anti-communist homosexual underground. <laughs> this <laughs> And that's the thing. Sean's not going to tell you that really late on those Friday nights. Yeah. Just but, gotten gold. He gives gold me a little paint. titty twister. He gets like, <laughs> those are wild times. Do some poppers. Start blogging. This is the good version of the bad version of when Nicholson and The Departed was like, yeah, I have an idea, yeah. Marty. What about a scene with opera and cocaine and dildos? <laughs> and it doesn't work and they have to cut it. This one, somebody was like, I have an idea. We'll put Tommy Lee in gold paint. Joe Pesci's in a Dangerous Liaisons outfit. Yes. It being and Tommy Bacon Lee. is dressed like Glenn Close yeah. in Dangerous Liaisons. But you know that Bacon is up for all but this, this right? Is, As yeah. an actor. But, this but is, Tommy Lee is not that guy. No, so for not. him to do it, But this great. bumps right up against what's aged the worst which is the movie's attitude about homosexuality oh, yeah. I mean it's right no but I'm saying we're you not gotta, there yet no but if you it, no yeah I gotta bring it up right at the time we're making sure. a titty twister joke <laughs> sorry you gotta you gotta right then you gotta just say the film's attitude about homosexuality is not acceptable on any level it's pretty retrograde and even yeah. though she brings it up she goes you just don't like him because they're homosexuals but that's it's one line that's yeah. said in the movie and Jim um, was like, whoa, yeah, where, yeah, where did that come from? <laughs> but when the whole time he's clearly looking at them like they're freaks. But that's part of Garrison's case, though. The This crazy Clay Shaw, and he would have these gay parties. Like It, it was right, part but, of why he, how he was trying to in, knock in them the, down. In the era, th that era's well, judgment that, about perversion in, in, the, in the language of that ago. time. Yeah. That's why it's aged the war. I'm just saying well, when, it's we're, like in Mad when Men, we're laughing when they, about that moment. Who's the Mad Men character? Sal. Oh, yeah. Sal. Sal they, all of a sudden, he's there. We never saw him again on the show. Um, 
Here's another one, Sage Best. Stone wanted to recreate the Kennedy assassination in Dealey Plaza and actually pulled it off. They spent $4 yeah. million dollars to restore it to 1963 conditions. They had to pay all this money to reroute the traffic. And they did it. Um, Oliver Stone said Sutherland and Coster memorized both of the monologues. Love it. I'm convinced. All right. I'm glad you're here. I'm going to ask you this. Acting. 80% just having a good memory. 20% charisma talent. 80% just being able to memorize shit. Really? No. Really? No. Okay. Because I have a terrible memory. That's why I didn't I become mean, an Brando. actor. I mean, Brando. I mean, Brando. Maybe that proves. Maybe he's the one guy who proves the other thing. Why do all these actors like? Yeah, I memorized that sixteen-page monologue. Yes, it's an amazing trick when they like Dave Costable plays Wags. He he literally could just show it to him, and he got he has it like four pages. Is that like theater training? He could just go off book. Like yeah, he can just go okay, and you're like no, seriously. He's like no, seriously, and he does. Uh, And he's a great actor, but I don't think those things are connected. You're born. Totally, movie star is different than actor, right? But um, did Famke Jansen have it when during the scene when she was trying to seduce Mike McPhee off, and the writers of the movie were it. like, no, no, this wouldn't make sense for them to hook up. I mean, who had Even you? She's the hottest who? Russian in the world. <laughs> Listen, I was he's just, definitely passing this up. <laughs> he's hit rock bottom. He's definitely not going to have sex with this person. How many times has he brought this up? To I just, you I, on a I try to work it in now. It's like a bit. I mean, he brought it up on the Curious Guy. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's a long fucking time, man. I mean, honestly, it's a long time. It's a bit time. now. It's a ready bit now. You're right, though. It was a mistake. <laughs> Acting is uh, mostly a quickie. Mostly can't be taught, and it's just um, these people are just somehow really compelling when the camera goes on them. Like Donald Sutherland, that's yeah, just a fascinating. Up. There's something about when a camera goes on that guy's face, you can't fucking look away, and they have the ability to show you what's on the inside. The bad ones force it, but the really good actors, they just look at you and you just can see what they're thinking and feeling. And it has nothing to do with memorizing text. Uh, Yeah, theater acting, you better be able to memorize text, but on a... On a, on a on a movie, so seventy percent memory. Okay, <laughs> sure thing. But here's you a, you got it. it. It's also the idea of believability. You read some of the X monologue. You've acted before. You're not as good an actor as Donald Sutherland. When you were reading, I was like, "This is not as good as Donald Sutherland." Well, I was, was also attempting to make fun of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. John Williams wasn't playing when he I was doing it. I was acting chaps. I wasn't. Yeah, go look at Michael Clayton before you say I'm not a good actor. <laughs> I, I did not say you're not a good or, actor. Or guy number five in Rounders at at, at, uh, uh, at the Chesterfield South. Fair, fair. Yeah, no, it's it, it, exactly right in Atlantic City. Yeah, no words though in that one. So. For you sure, know, I'm just I was on Big Picture with Sean and we did a top five sports movie section and I had rounders in there and Sean got mad because he didn't forget. I didn't know it was, it was eligible. That's how wait. Uh, I, I, uh, honestly, the, the amount rounders of internet hate movie. I'm going to get right now for rounders even coming up on this. Can we just stop move? it? Let's just. Why? But rounders is a sports Let's, movie. <laughs> yeah, but, it, I mean, honestly. You, you be the judge is rounders a sports movie. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a fucking sports I wish, movie. I wish you called me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a, a crime movie and a sports Any movie. Any other, what's, what's age the best for you guys? Uh, John Williams score, New yeah. Orleans mm-hmm. is a setting. Those two. New Orleans, yeah. for sure. And just JFK, the specter of JFK himself. Like, because you don't really think, like the peace speech at the end, which he starts the documentary with, that, you know. The shot of him when um, 
when he's like, like Caesar, they're all around him, you know, in the X speech. Oh, and then yeah. there's like the shot of the still photograph of Kennedy kind of leaning over the table. Uh, it's just, just such good stuff. Can I make one other thing that he does in this movie that I don't know if I've ever seen this before and will ever see it again, but he gets the highest level character actors to do less than one scene. Ron Rifkin's in, got one line. Pruitt Taylor right? Vince, Vincent D'Onofrio, Lolita Davidovich, Have Frank, a Brian, Brian Doyle Whaley, Murray, Brian Doyle Murray, Apex Bob Mountain Gunton, for Brian, Apex Mountain for Brian Doyle Murray. I'm gonna, I have him saved for that. John Larroquette. Yeah. All these people crop up in this movie for like 45. So seconds. do you think that's because they that. shot a 120 hour movie and there's like a lot of Lolita Davidovich that we didn't get? I, maybe I yeah. don't know. She was having a moment back then. Uh, Chris and I always have this joke about cable channels that should exist, but there's not quite enough movies for them. Like <laughs> the Heist Channel. Oh yeah, it would just be like channel five twenty eight on whatever. It's just high. I mean, movies, I would turn on the. I would turn that on the way these guys turn on the titty twister. Scene. <laughs> 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 I would be. That's not I what I say for the yeah, record. That, watching that, I would be watching that think, all the time. Do you think a New Orleans channel? There's probably only like fifteen New Orleans movies. Then you just roll them over yeah. and over again. Yeah. Every time we're in New Orleans, I'm happy. The heist channel. Weirdly, I didn't like CSI New Orleans that much. Well, because you probably don't like CSI. That I don't. Much. I don't really like CSI. <laughs> you know, there's an NCIS Hawaii now. Yeah. 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 But are you an Angel Heart person or no? Come on. Okay. Lisa Bonet. Blue Cipher. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't. The, the attorney. Ever. You're the you're saying the attorney, <laughs> which is like a lawyer but more expensive. They don't have enough movies where the lawyers are actually the devil. You know, there's there should be, that should be a channel. That. The devil's advocate and there angel heart. Oh, no, repeat. <laughs> the most important people in my life in 1986. Obviously, Larry Bird was first, but Letterman. Larry Bird was not in your life. No, in and my, Epiphany. In my life. Say Epiphany, <laughs> Epiphany Proudfoot. No, Lisa Bonet That's was in like the top twelve. Yeah. <laughs> no, because she was also Cosby. Yeah. Like, mm. well, she was clearly you can make like, argument. 12? She was the most that beautiful. You I fucking love. You can she make the argument. The she was the most beautiful woman in the world at that moment. What yeah. were the she other? Comes who in were the other eleven? She comes in enemy of the state and gets killed, and you're like, you're you want devastated. the movie to stop? So yeah. I can like, I need Kleenex. Love Lisa Bonet. Huey Lewis. Then she gave us Zoe Kravitz. Like she just keeps giving us gifts. What's age the worst? Let's take a break, and then we'll do what's age the worst. All right, what's age the worst? This movie's too long. I mean, it's three hours and eight minutes. It's too long. Disagree. You could get rid of I was Yeah, I was going to throw for what, what's age the best, three-hour movies. I literally was going to say three-hour movies. It's too long. What would you cut? Other than every other than Sissy the Space whining, Other than the it's Sissy long, SpaceX yeah. not in the movie. I don't care about Jim Garrison's Oh, that family. channel I would watch. Well, uh, the, the channel that cuts Anne Heche's scenes out of Brasco. <laughs> 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 just the annoying other person like the domestic side not because they're yeah. women if it's the man if the movie's about women the domestic side to the men, they always want to get the it in there's never side. any nuance in the telling of those stories it's always the wife is dragging the, the hero man away from uh, the his only, place yeah, the only also moment that, with Anne Haitian Brasco I want is uh, when he goes I want to listen to you breathe <laughs> that's it <laughs> It doesn't That's also help that Liz I... Garrison's big contribution to this movie is going up to the housekeeper and telling her to get a hold of herself after Kennedy gets oh, killed. Like, yeah, that that's was tough. The, oh, yeah. We can, oh, that's, good. yes. Well, that leads to all the sissy space sex scenes for what's age the worst. She doesn't have a single good scene in this movie. Jim's waking up in the middle of the night having JFK nightmares and she's yelling at him for that. It's like, why are you, why are we here with you? <laughs> There's no Brian arc. Brian made the point. Yeah. It's, it's, it's because tough. daddy never keeps his promises. There has yeah. to be this like, yeah, you have to perpetuate this idea yes. of the the, the um, 
the, the trauma of the American male because of the lies of the American father in yeah, America. Whatever. He has to tell that story. But the, the fatherhood style, that style of being a dad is aged the worst. <laughs> this should have been an assassination movie. We never should have even met his family. Could care less. This is tough because you love your dad. You have an uncomplicated love There's for your There's movies father. for family. This is not a family movie. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't I mean, get do you guys Mr. Remember, X's family. Do you guys remember when you were loyal, when you were really loyal <laughs> page two readers? When I, we were loyal page two readers. Back when I wrote. And and the, it would always be like, I'll never be one of those guys who talks about my family, my kids on the thing or yeah. my thing. And now I do Parent like, Corner on a podcast. Yeah, because, yeah. and that's why he had to do this. I only I don't know. He okay. had to show the family. I don't know if you've, heard the big picture recently, but I have a five-month-old at home and it creeps into every single conversation. Of course I have it does. Because, wait, that, it has it to, should, yeah. by yeah. the way. Yeah. But that's why he had to he 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 how about this? I think the scenes are badly written, but he needed to show you the cost on as if if, if you're showing up making a movie about an obsessive, and if his movies are about obsessive, making a movie about this obsessive, you must see the cost of the obsession. All right, that's fair. But they were the just scenes badly were, written. Mm -hmm. The scenes are terrible. I agree. And you could cut all of them They're out. Badly written. It's the same it movie. always feels like to me screenwriters who don't know how to deal with their families while they're trying to write. And so they recognize that they're like, the wife is always in the way. My kid always needs my time. It feels like a note. It's like, we got to humanize this guy. Mm, yeah. I, I don't think it was that. It's, I think it's about obsession and about the cost of obsession. I think Stone has shown us that many different ways in, in his things. But but I agree. I half agree. Those scenes suck. I think he really cared about Jim Garrison and wanted to make this well-rounded person that Costner would want to play, and that means you have to have wife scenes. That's uh, but that did scene they work that, in I Apollo mean, thirteen? In your opinion, did you care about the Kathleen Quinlan character? Mm, I not, actually did. The, the Apollo thirteen is not. It doesn't bother me because it's like that's actually death. like my husband's in a spaceship. Yeah. 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 So, so I, I agree with death. you on that. One. Yeah. The worst line of all time, maybe in any movie by anybody, is the moment he's finally. Uh, about to, he's having sex with his wife for the first time and he literally says, I should have loved you more. I mean, that is what Costner says in that moment. I should have loved you more when they're actually about to have, that's his, that's what he says, Jim Garrison in Oliver Stone's mind as he's about to embark. Well, look, you guys, you guys all like Kate Corleone, so I don't, I'm not, I'm never going to win this battle. <laughs> it's not a weird opinion. It's not a controversial opinion at all. But, I'm I'm back. I'm back from Italy. I know you haven't seen me in five years. I also was married when I was there. My wife blew up. It's time for us to be together. Take those 12 school kids you're with yep. and hop in the car with me. They'll find their way back to the school. Okay, my wife blew up. It's, that is the worst scene of the best movie that's ever been made. It's a perfect scene. Anyway. It's, it's so bad. It's a perfect scene. It's a Get in the car, scene. Kay. Who's being, you don't have that scene. You don't have who's being naive now. When you start bringing literally up, the key line, who's being naive is good. When you start bringing up K, I want to just be K and say this must <laughs> all end. <laughs> it was an abortion, Michael. <laughs> now she's better in the second part of Godfather too. I think she's essential at that point. Yeah, <laughs> compliments here. I felt like we had to run it back. I'm so happy to talk about it. Uh, more, what's age the worst? How do we feel about Costner's accent? Can we just go, let's go it around goes the in table. And out, But you know what? He has so much volume. It's like he's going to throw up some bricks. Hell of a lot better than the Prince of Thieves accent. I'll say yeah, that. Yeah. I think I, it's more consistent. It definitely goes in and out a little. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Especially during the court, the courtroom. It's, it's basically argument. he's, he's bull Durham yeah. at that point. Yeah. yeah. But Pesci's is, Pesci's yeah. is worse. Magic. Justice be done though. The heavens fall. He's kind of, that's, loses that's like literally out of Untouchables. Like he just, he does that same scene. The magic bullet theory has been pretty much debunked because they realized that 
the way Connolly was sitting was actually a little bit different than how they thought. Than the way and they presented actually, it. No, but when you watch um, when you watch Stone's documentary, he he re he goes back at that hard, doesn't he? He still believes most of the things that are in this movie clearly. But that thing, he really the where Connolly was sitting in the car. You mean no? Yeah. He the the bullet trajectory. Stone yeah. really thinks the bullet trajectory proves his argument that it's impossible. Other people think. Connolly was positioned wrong yeah. in the early stuff and that actually sure makes, makes total sense yeah. I still think there's four bullets uh, last one is Pesci it seems like Koppelman and I liked him way less than you guys did I think that to Koppelman's point like the the sort of conflation of like being a homosexual at that time with also being in the mafia or being like an anti-communist soldier like those things all being just like of a piece is pretty pr- pretty whacked they just bring the baggage of who they are yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And I you just ne- I cannot suspend disbelief watching Pesci in that role. If you if the, some of the casting what ifs for that part, it's like, oh, that would have been pretty Let's interesting. Yeah. Casting I'm so into that to figure out. I've Let's been thinking go. all day yeah. about that. I got part. it. So Garrison, Stone sent copies of the script to Costner, Mel Gibson, Harrison Ford. Ended up being Costner. So those are the other two choices. Gibson would have been a weird choice. I see. I disagree. I told Chris I thought Gibson would have been great. I think because as I, an Australian, though, I don't know. I feel like the guy has to be American. One, he's always played well. Yeah. I think as an American in all of his films. Two, the movie feels th- there's more frustration in it for someone who's followed this story closely because Costner is this vision of dignity and truth. Right? He is the American way. He is Field of Dreams. If you cast Gibson, who later made a movie called Conspiracy Theory, right? as this wild-eyed, desperate person seeking the truth, it actually would have been a more interesting representation of kind of how Stone's mind works. Yeah. Because Garrison is so noble, you know, and he's a little he's a little distressed and obsessed, but he's so decent-seeming. And Gibson always just seemed kind of nuts. Like, he kind of made his yeah, way in movies that way. Yeah, yeah, right. So I thought that that would have been cool. I, it would have been a different movie. It probably would have had a different energy, but I, I would have... But I would have liked to have seen it. Harrison Ford, I don't think makes sense. But it is a big, like, what if. Like, I wish Harrison Ford had one or two more movies like this. No one's mentioned Michael Rooker yet. We got to mention Michael it's Rooker, coming. by the way. Okay, good. Um, Don Johnson yeah. tried really hard to get the Jim Garrison part. And I'm kind of into it. It's like a little post-Miami Vice. I think it would have been good for him. Costner's better, but... That I, goes I back to the Don ineffable John- thing. He, he doesn't read smart enough. He doesn't mm. seem, he may be very smart, mm-hmm. but he doesn't play, like that's that thing, right? When the camera goes on Don Johnson, you don't believe he's the district attorney who can think six levels deep in the chest. The game. other one in here that I thought would have worked is Jeff Bridges. Mm. He'd have been amazing. Yeah, that's great. Brilliant yeah. idea. Good one. That's I also great. think Hanks would have worked, honestly. Maybe he might have been two years too young. A little aw shucksy. All right. I would have cast Will Patton as David Ferry. That would be good. Well, Stone wanted James Woods. Woods wanted to play Garrison. And that's where the conversation ended. Because <laughs> he's like, no, you're James Woods. That's not happening. Frank Whaley. Uh, was going to be Oswald. Yeah. And then he becomes the other guy. The imposter. Because they decide to go with Oldman. And to make it up to him, they, they, they make him the imposter. So he gets to be the silent assassin in two movies. Because he's the silent assassin. We almost had a Frank Oswald, Whaley moment. Because yeah. he was in the doors. That's right. He was going to be. He's the assassin a big in part yeah, of Frank that's right. Whaley. Yeah. Look at the big brain on bread. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I keep meaning to see that movie. I gotta see that. Uh, Boys. Two people turned down the fairy role. Willem Dafoe. He would have killed it. John Malkovich. Malkovich would have been uh, Malkovich would have been amazing. That's a tough what if. 
Why Although the it's fuck just like did John the, turn that down. The the he, red he wig could have used his old dangerous liaisons outfits. The red wig would be just it's it's tough to see anybody ro- rocking that thing. Yeah, John would have been mind bogglingly great in that movie. Stone considered Marlon Brando for the role of Mister X. Not sure what happened, but that was, he would have to stand there with the, like cue cards. Yeah, that would have been, <laughs> those would have been some like SNL monologue minute, style yeah, cue cards. Been tough. Um. And how this movie got made was he met with Warner Brothers to make a film about Howard Hughes, but Warren Beatty owned the rights. And yeah, eventually made that movie. And Stone was like, here's my second backup pitch, JFK. That's why Koppelman goes into meetings with three pitches. Because he never right? knows they don't like the Beatty first might own the first one too out of the back pocket. You don't want to just, totally. you don't want to come out of the bathroom holding your dick. And <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you have one false idea that you know is never going to go that you open with every time? That's hilarious. You should. <laughs> <laughs> like a, that's a good one, like a sorbet. It's JFK, yeah. but it's cleanser. James Dolan. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, I want to tell uh, the 72 Olympics from Doug Collins' point of view. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I want to. That was pretty good. Doug, that sounds good. It's all about Doug Collins. I would watch that. And why people thought Bobby Jones was the better defender. I think the two greatest free it throws really upsets him. Two greatest free throws in American history. So yes, yeah, so clutch. Uh, more categories. Best that guy, aka the Joey Pants Award. There, I mean, there's a hundred, but Wayne Knight. I feel like is Wayne Knight. He's not eligible. Mm. J O Sanders. J O Sanders. He's mm-hmm. it. I think is it because I never knew his name. We're getting Rooker. Hold on. I have right. a Rooker spot. <laughs> Don't worry. Rooker's right. going to be covered. But he's Rooker's in this. Important. I mean, you got to talk no, about him in this category. Just wait. I, no, because he's Michael Rooker. Can I just show you guys the, the Wikipedia photo of J.O. Sanders right now? Yeah. Oh, oh Jay. Jay kind of looks like Will Ferrell. Jay doesn't look well. He looks like a Dodge Will Ferrell Travis having a seizure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ter- terrific in True Detective season one. Oh, so yeah. for people listening, yeah, J.O. Sanders actor. was one of Costner's two cohorts. He's the guy who quits. And then shows up mm-hmm. in the courtroom it, at the it's end. Lou. Yeah. He's been in a million things, and I never knew what his name so the was. So the only other uh, Joey Pants guy I have is Peter Maloney, who plays the medical examiner. And he's actually, he's also in The Thing. Oh. He's like, if once you yeah. see him, you're like, oh yeah, I've seen this guy a million I times. I have one more, but you guys won't get it. The uh, Oswald's wife in this movie was also... Um, the, the gay guy in Melrose Place, the Russian doctor who he pretends to marry. Do you know that she also, marries she's in like one scene in this name? movie? Like she actually winds up in the theatrical version and is like one, basically one scene of, of JFK. And she, to prepare for this movie, read all 26 volumes of the Warren Report. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I think she was really Russian because in Melrose Place, she plays a Russian doctor and she has to stay in the country and they try to fool. She's on, she's but it's Polish. basically the same character. She plays, B- but she's her, Polish. Her name is Bita Pozniak. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she that's did, it. Those she, were two she, moments. She did play Dr. Katia Petrova Dr. Ka- Katia. That's yeah. who it was. <laughs> what year did George C. Scott die? <laughs> Incredible nonsense. He would have been a great X because he would have been a great Mr. X. We're trying to talk about Dr. Katya here. Come on. You're pivoting. He would have been a great He would have been angrier than X. X is almost bemused by all this information he has. The perfect person played it. I agree. Uh, Vincent Hanna, give me all you got a word for most overacting. It's got to be Pesci. Pesci, no doubt about it. That was not even in a good way. Rooker and Asner, I think, are both in there. Asner is very aggro. 
I, I can't say a bad word about Asma. Camelot in it's ashes. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But yeah, Pesci, though. Pesci wins that bio. The Jed Nelson Award for the person who's in a completely different movie is obviously Sissy Spacek. She's, <laughs> she's in a really boring 1960s domestic drama. I'll tell you what movie I want to see is Mathau as Russell B. Long, as yeah. Senator Long. Oh, yeah. That would be a great movie. Yeah, yeah. again. Mathau's amazing in the so movie. So good in that scene on the amazing. plane. All right, here we go. One of the most important Deanne Waiters awards we've ever handed out. I'm going to narrow it to, to three nominees, unless you have a fourth one. John Candy, Kevin Bacon, Donald Sutherland. I think are three. I think Oldman's in the movie too much. He's not eligible. I mean, you got to put Brian Doyle Murray in there. Nah, we really don't. Oswald! <laughs> um, Oswald! <laughs> you didn't even say that. This is really tough because Bacon and Candy aren't in the movie that long and they fucking annihilate it. They just annihilate it. But Sutherland, I think, has to be the winner for this 16-minute monologue. It's tough because when you add up Sutherland's screen time, he's like the third. He's probably got the third most screen time other than- So like, you want to do Candy? I kind of do. I'm fine doing I Candy. I think it's John Candy. Are you sure it's not Bacon? Fascism is coming back. <laughs> John Candy, here's why John Candy, because he does something that he never did. Bacon, like he's saying, Bacon went on to do this. He did very He various. got this power of, I mean, you know, think about Diner, one of the greatest movies of all time for me and the performance. But then, like you say, goes on to do A Few Good Men. And then he goes on to be sort of a guy. He found this tough yeah. swagger in this movie and he kept going. John Candy never did any, nothing you'd ever seen John Candy do before. I, you like, know, like he we did never did character actor not, stuff. Yeah. Right. Nothing you'd ever seen him mm. do before prepared you for just getting blown the fuck oh. away. It made me wish he would have done the Dusty Rhodes story. Right. Like, think about how great wow. he would have been as Dusty Rhodes. Was that ever discussed? Did you just come up with that? Yeah, just right now. It's like magic. It just happens. But it'd be incredible you if you played be a Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. All right, Candy wins. Recasting couch. So he's making up shit in this movie. Would Denzel Washington as Ferry, David Ferry. <laughs> Why not? Who cares? <laughs> We're making up characters well, anyway. Let's get Denzel. By the way, in this Denzel thing. as X would be incredible too, man. Denzel as Mr. X would be insanely great. I don't do think Dave Denzel would have made sense as David Ferry. Just gonna yeah, put that okay. out there. Are you okay. talking about for so for recasting couch? Do you want to do today or do you want to do if we're just no nineteen ninety one? The one I think we should recast is Sissy Spacek only because she's too good of an actress and that's a crummy part. Because I just wanted to throw out. Ah, so we're we're actually doing the opposite. What we're doing is opening up opportunity for Sissy Spacek to take on a better part. To what, get Mr. her time X? back. Mr. X? No, not, yeah. in, not in this movie, but in another movie somewhere else. Oh, right. So she's universe. free. Right. She yeah. can I go just play. Wanted, I'd put Sally Field in here. I think maybe well, she does she's more. she's a great actress too. Nah, but I feel like Costner and SpaceX, I don't see them together. That is part of my issue. How about uh, for, for Rene Russo? Madeline Stowe. Oh, that's perfect. As, as Rene Russo would She would have gone back at Jim a little bit. She would have been perfect. Chris, I watched two like, for the money yesterday. Did you? Thank yeah. you. And, I'm, sc I'm scouting. Oh, I, I wrote something down. <laughs> I forgot to say, which is uh, uh, for for um for Ferry, Gary Sinise would have killed Ferry. He would have been amazing. He would have been incredible as mm. Ferry because you would have just believed it. Have we ever had an Oldman Sinise showdown? Right, that's a good question. Gary, Gary has to have happened. Half fast internet research. Stone hired somebody, Jane Risconi, to lead the researchers. He read two dozen books in the assassination. Risconi read between hundred and two hundred books. Apparently, that's how many they had back then. Um, I think they'd be a little more precise there. The difference between 100 and 200 books is a lot. That's a lot. Stone found X. It was Colonel Leroy Fletcher Prouty, who once worked in the Pentagon. 
He was sent but to South Pole. But did not do the things that he said he did. He, there's a lot of holes in, in Prouty's stories. A lot. Just you can Google that. Um, as you said, the real Garrison appears in the film. It's Judge Earl Warren. We've mentioned most of the other stuff, unless you guys have What were you going to say about Rooker? You said you had a It's coming. Him. Apex Mountain. Tommy Lee Jones decided he wanted to paint himself gold. That's my favorite half-ass internet research. Is that true? Yeah. That, that was, didn't come up in my research. TLJ was like, I'll do that. Yeah. You learned that late one night on a Friday at my house. <laughs> <laughs> Apex Mountain. Costner. I still think it's Dances with Wolves. I mean, he won all the Oscars. He became the new modern Warren Beatty. I think it has to be that. He has the most juice coming out of that movie that you could have. No argument for me. Oliver Stone. It might be this. He convinced a studio to fund a movie about an assassination where he made up his theory for it, basically. And they said, cool. He also made The Doors and JFK in the same year. So yeah. I think there's a really good case yeah. for okay, it. Okay, great. Uh, JFK assassination conspiracies, Chris? Was this it? Was this the apex right here? Early oh, 90s? yeah. Yeah, I feel yeah. like it was too. The Rooker Sants. I mean, Henry's his... Henry is his high point. See love. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, JFK. And it's all happening for it, Michael Rooker. It's one I'm year. I'm buying his rookie all, cards. All no, three it's like, in like a two-year span. Yeah. I'm buying his rookie cards. Henry, if you haven't seen Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, I mean, don't necessarily, but if, if you're a Tough real... movie to recommend. But if you're a real movie fanatic... Um, I disagree. It's a really good horror movie. Watch and I it think people should see it. No, I think watch it. So I saw that movie... <laughs> <laughs> Full-throated. Would you rather watch Ben Simmons the shoot three-pointers or watch Henry Portrait of a Serial It's a very again? realistic portrait. There are a couple of, of scenes of in it that are killer. among the most disturbing scenes I've yeah. ever seen in a film. I used to drive in from college to go to Celtic games, and I would go early to beat the traffic. To go to the combat there's zone? This movie the no. <laughs> there's this movie theater in BU that would have movies like Henry the yeah. Portrait of a Serial Killer. Oh, yeah. And I would go, and they would always have like a three o'clock, four o'clock. So I would, I would go early, get see the movie, and then go meet my dad at the game. And I saw Henry Portrait of the Serial Killer there, and it was me and like seven other guys, oh, yeah, it was. all spaced apart. <laughs> and like halfway through that movie, you start kind of, <laughs> oh, yeah. well, you're like, am I just going to get my throat slit during this? Huge, the never huge sleep fan of you seeing that movie alone. That yeah. Oh awesome yeah, yeah. I used that. to solo the, all the time. I, me too. I love going to movies alone. But uh, the the all time. Uh, Never Sleep Again, double feature to watch at home is that. And then what's the name of that Carl Franklin movie? One False One Move. One False Move. Yeah. That and One False Move as a double. I think I would go One False Move first and then Henry. Just Henry's the sort of palate cleanser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then if you watch those two in a row, that's it. You, if you don't have an alarm at home, you're never sleeping again. I said to Chris uh, the other day when I was rewatching the movie that, you know, this is one of the craziest studio movies ever made when Michael Rooker is the most normal seeming character in the whole movie. Yeah. Michael Rooker famed for being an absolute lunatic in almost everything he does. And he seems kind of yeah, logical. He's the only person who's just like, what are we talking? This is you can't be accusing LBJ of assassinating the president. Mm. Well, I'm it's a, a weird you wonder. There was definitely that's something that definitely was cut out. And I read this my uh the details of how they all felt Rooker betrayed them. Yeah. Because that that is an absurd scene, that argument. Don't you feel like there's half We should have had that in what's age the worst. Well, there's a whole thing where that character is supposed to be also like ex- FBI or ex like intelligence or something. Well, all like of them are. Yeah, like, Jo is. And yeah, the other, it, that scene is very weird. Oh yeah. Do you like I, him in I, Cliffhanger? Of course, I like him in Cliffhanger. Yeah. What are you talking See, about? Rooker's one of those guys. He's just fantastic all the time. Yeah. And yet you won't put him in anything. I've, I've met with him. He and I have had a meeting. It was a fascinating 
fascinating he's huge meeting. now. He's in the MCU. He's he, in he the couldn't fucking work for Axe Capital that for dude, three episodes. You see him as a hedge fund guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think he's like a custodian who might be on the inside. Um, Maury picks Mountain. Wayne Knight, no question. Mm-hmm. Well, this, uh, Newman. I'm, I, well, it's, 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 Newman's I same time combo. Yeah. And when was Third Rock? And when's Just Jurassic? Out. Jurassic's right around yeah, here, right? Oh, for Jurassic too. How about Jurassic, the Zap- the Zapruder film? Apex oh. Mountain for the Zapruder film? Yeah. Well, when so was, was the it really Apex Mountain for Abram Zapruder? Well, yeah, because well, I, th- I would up say it was selling it. Building. No, so I would say it was selling it. Um, how about Dallas? Comeback. Cowboys doing well? No. 91. Mavs title. Dirt JFK. Yeah. When is uh, Zapruder going to make his NFT? <laughs> <laughs> Gary V is like, what you got to do is you got to turn it into an NFT. Gary V. NFT. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's a good idea. Honestly, it's not a bad idea. Gary Vee would already have six of them marketed by the end of this pod. He'd have six of them released. Any other Apex Mountains for you guys? Brian mentioned Richardson, Mm, who's got one of the greatest filmographies of any cinematographer ever. He really does. Yeah. Say some of his movies, Sean. I mean, he was Stone's go-to guy for years and years. So did Salvador Platoon, Wall Street, Talk Radio, Born on the Fourth of July, Doors, JFK, Heaven and Earth, Natural Born Killers, Nixon, U-Turn. And then I think they stop working together. I liked you, turn. He also was working with John Sales at the same time. He right. does Eight Men Out. He was Incredible. doing City of, Hope City of Hope during this movie. Yep. Yeah. He uh, then starts working with Martin Scorsese. Yeah. And he shoots Casino and Bring Out the Dead. And then he starts working with Quentin Tarantino and shoots Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2, Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, Hateful Eight, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. One of the greatest cinematographers Whoever lived and and really at the top of his game in this film. CR's like he's no Gordon Willis, <laughs> <laughs> too bright. <laughs> he's like Gordo. He's, but he's really flexible. Think about how yeah. all those yeah. movies look. And so he's such different. a distinctive style that blown out like white light overhead stuff. The you know? Tarantino Stone thing is so fascinating to me because they were kind of. Well, he's, he hate, they, I, Quentin they, hates him. I mean, no, no, the they hate each other. I told you to yeah. listen to the, uh, this is the best episode of my podcast probably ever, other than, of course, when, when you were a guest, is, uh, <laughs> is, is Quentin's episode. And we talk at length about Oliver ruining Natural Born Killers because Quentin's script's incredible. Yeah. The original Quentin Tarantino script's one of the best scripts I've ever read in my life. I'll just say also, they should make that again, speaking though. of Quentin Stone make, and his yeah. Yeah. contemporaries, is... Uh, it's fascinating to me that Stone and Spike Lee both were in the same NYU film class. And that right. they made these kinds of like films and like you, know, you can make an argument that Malcolm X is like wait, Stone like, and I didn't know that Stone was there. Oh, because Stone came back from yeah. Vietnam. And Scorsese was his professor. Yeah. Scorsese taught him. I didn't know that. And uh, honestly, one of the, the one of the best books I read last year was the Stone biography. It's called Chasing the Light. And it's only it's about everything up to Platoon. It ends after mm. he wins the Oscar for Platoon. Does he talk about seeing like we cut heads and stuff? He talks oh, about yeah, yeah. seeing he talks Spike's, about Vietnam and no, does he talk about Spike at NYU? Oh, see, uh, he talks about NYU. He talks about Scorsese a lot, and he's you know he's clearly this guy who's wearing a jacket not like the one you're wearing right now, Brian. You know the, the army jacket all the time and kind of like a little more sullen, very internal guy who hasn't totally figured out what kind of movies he wants to. This make. is an Alex Mill mod jacket. <laughs> what the fuck, man! It's not an army jacket. It's green. It's just the color that I'm referring to, but it. That book is really, really good because it talks a lot about his psychology and a lot of the stuff that we're talking about and why he wanted to make all these movies about why the establishment lied to him. Um, and he's not who, you know, he's obviously not who you think. He's like, he was a very well-to-do kid. He came from a good family. His father did very well. His mother was a beautiful enlisted, right? woman. And he enlisted, yeah. yeah. He went to Yale. The best Chris Ryan book is the one, it ends right before he gets to Grantland. 
he just moved. He just got to yeah, LA. I just quit smoking. It's like a lot of Newberry <laughs> comedy. You're wearing a nicotine patch, and then it ends. What's the, What's the name of the book? CR. Bet on yourself. <laughs> it's my book. <laughs> Come on, that's my title. Picking nits <laughs> on the trail of the assassins. The Chris Ryan story. <laughs> uh, picking nits. I mean, it's the entire movie. I don't. I think we've we've picked. You've picked it. Could this be remade as a 10-episode Netflix show? Fuck yeah. Yes. I'm in. Yes. Please. If there's no other reason for Netflix to exist. Yeah. Five seasons. This. Yeah. I just don't know if Sarandos is man enough to do it. We just got to start <laughs> pulling up. Sarandos, Reed Hastings, they're afraid. They're yeah. afraid of this. They don't want this smoke. Netflix it, could shut down Dealey Plaza for, what, two months? This is what powerful men do. They keep yeah. Wait, when, you're, when you're asking if it could be a, a, a series, do you want the Jim Garrison series or you want no, the I want JFK, JFK, something about the I want the fictional JFK. Yeah, Let's go you to, want, I mean, you honestly, want a modern somewhere seasons. A mafia yeah. plot, some reason. a CIA plot. Yeah. Something happens seasons. now yeah. that makes be like somebody the start investigating Oh, that's shit. a good idea. Yeah, yeah. it's the crown. Love the it. crown for JFK. Good. All right, we sent that out into the world. Probably unanswerable questions. Did Oliver Stone invent QAnon? <laughs> I don't know what that means. What do you mean? You mean like our conspiracy culture? Yeah. Did did this popularize conspiracy culture and make it okay and lead to the crazy conspiracy world we're in now? Uh, I, I I would ar- I would argue that nine eleven is a much more significant event in terms of where we're at now in a culture. Yeah. In the aftermath of nine eleven. Yes. For conspiracy culture. Yes. But but, but the post Vietnam the nine eleven stuff. People is coming so lame, back though. from Vietnam and going to college, and then learning about things like the LSD experiments. Like those, there were enough fucked up things that the CIA did, not conspiracy, that they've, you know, you can go look at the papers, like that they've, the government is freedom of information, put it out. They did a lot of fucked up shit. Speaking of, there's an Errol Morris movie about this as well. But I mean, that's, I think you, it's a, I don't think it's, I think Stone picked up on contrails. Like, I don't think that he, in, it, I think he picked up on stuff that was out there. There's there's something to be said for the obsessive nature of looking at quote-unquote documentary evidence. It's a, it's a Pruder film, watching the planes hit the towers, like the, the January 6th, you know, riot, like all that stuff. And then starting to see things in those things that you are looking for. That I think he taps into. In this but not, just a, that, that's a conspiracy, not a conspiracy theory, though. January 6th, let's just be clear. Sure. No, I was going to say, right. it was, I right. mean, no, I meant more like there's footage and you start looking at the footage and, and you start, you can, you can try to well, manipulate 9/11 it. Well, 9-11 was insane because we actually have the footage of the planes going in the towers and then people are like, no, actually. And yeah. yeah, it's like, well, no. that, but the thing is, we right, have witnesses and I mean, this is video. fascinating because like January 6th, there was a conspiracy to overthrow the will of the people. 9-11, there was a conspiracy. It was yeah. Bin Laden and, and Mohammed Atta and 12 other guys yeah. and probably 200 people around the world. Right. Uh, and we, and and, which, by the and way, we know how it played out. We know what happened because it was a pu- what they were trying to conspire to do was this incredibly public thing. But for two years or however long they were planning it, nobody fucking knew, which is the one thing that might refute this idea that if it were a conspiracy, sure. we'd know. But the, With JFK, I mean. The, yeah. They're all related to each other. And the danger of even having a conversation like this is that people who feel disempowered and disenfranchised in the world, people who are like, I don't have what I want or I lost what I had and I want it back, go seeking answers in places where those answers may not exist. 
And the whole start of this conversation was Oliver Stone having this traumatic event in his life and then working through it through art for 25 years. That's right. And it's all kind of related to people who are like, why am I broke? Why am I not a millionaire? The Maybe f- it's in this video of it's where it tells me how Willie the steel O'Keefe, beams melt. Willie O'Keefe in this movie is is ranting and raving about Nixon losing the presidency well, yeah, that in was amazing to me. He's a white supremacist. Yeah. And uh, a, a, clear, a Trump voter years later, if he lives. 100%. Yeah. All right. Probably an answerable question. Last one. Who killed JFK? We all have to guess. Sean, Sean you go first. <laughs> you know the least. <laughs> Who killed? Your theory. Who was it? If you had to guess Three, at gunpoint, two, one, you have to pick. I'll pose a theory. No, oh, you have to pick. You have to make an answer. I'll say Oliver Stone because here's why: Oliver Stone obsessed with the nobility of the leaders of the '60s who were killed. He's talked about this endlessly over the last 40 years. King, obviously, the Kennedys, a number of others. He insinuates Malcolm X into this conversation. This movie is called JFK, and it is not about JFK. It is not about any of the ideas that JFK had. It is not about what he pursued. It it ha- allows another person to tell the story of this person's death. It has a very rosy, uh, rosy vision of what JFK was about at the time of his death. Yes. Now, so what would you have titled it? I don't think it's a bad title. I'm not saying it's a uh-huh. bad title. It's a very effective title. But it didn't. It doesn't do what you can tell is in Oliver Stone's heart, which is he wants to lift up what he believes Kennedy's ideals to be, because he talks about this all the time now. He still talks about how we wouldn't have gone to Vietnam. He still talks about how much qu- more quickly the civil rights movement would have reached uh, ahead if if he continues to be there in, in office. So weirdly, the movie doesn't, it does create the sense of distrust, but I don't know that it really celebrates JFK. You didn't answer. I don't fucking know. I all don't right. know. You're out. Chris, who killed JFK? I, I lean the intelligence community intelligence community yeah like the whether it's like active or ex-cia compliment the mob american tabloid has it right the mob and the cia work together but i think it was the mob and the cia together i agree well who's who was the trigger man that guy's dead yeah that guy that guy was murdered who who was it and oswald was in on it does anyone here think oswald was completely innocent no 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 i think that'd be fun not for him. <laughs> because if you are truly innocent, you don't immediately know you're the patsy. You're part of the conspiracy. That's how you know I'm you're the patsy. patsy. Come on. That's how you know you're the patsy. Also, fuck you, Lee Harvey. The guy fucking killed. I mean, the yeah. the, the Jack Ruby thing is just as bizarre. It's just, uh, you what, couldn't put it in the movie. What piece of memorabilia would you want from this movie? I have a great answer for this. David Ferry's wig? John Candy's sunglasses. Mm. Boom. Yeah, I want the entire Dealey Plaza model that Garrison uses in the big courtroom scene. Mm. It's like basically bigger than this table, and it's got all the different pieces and the people. I think that would be amazing to have in a. Where would you keep it? Living room. Oh, you know what I want? (laughs) Yeah, come on in. Look at my Dealey Plaza model. <laughs> let me let me go through the assassination. Uh, Just bring guests over. Can you imagine you had that though, and then you finally agree to a big profile in like Vanity Fair. Uh, yeah, and you're on the cover of Vanity Fair, leaning against Dealey Plaza, <laughs> pointing, <laughs> leaning against two little Dealey Plaza. Or yeah, something I like do that. think it would be funny to inter- so we get Sutherland's fedora, and we oh. introduce. I'm going Mr. X as like a thing on this podcast where you get to talk for 16 uninterrupted minutes. <laughs> we should add that to the pod. All right. Do you want to go Mr. X? Just go. But only on check. like... Uh... Who won oh. the movie, Sean? Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. Yeah, Stone. I have Stone as well. 
right. That was boring. The other <laughs> argument is Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's, that's interesting. That's the other argument is Lee Harvey that's Oswald. That's an interesting because he's perspective. does everything he can to take blame away from that guy. Yeah. Is this Stone's best movie? Oh, man. <sighs> uh, I still think I love Wall Street. We already did it on the rewatchables. I, you I like just it think to, that's your favorite too? It's a perfect time capsule of it's the most the rewa- Wall Street's the most rewatchable. I think the one that hit me hardest is Platoon, but this is this is probably like well, Platoon's a great I love Platoon. I, I, it's aggressive. It's but aggressive. it's uh, you're not really gonna go watch that movie over and over. No, I it's best is not the same as rewatchable. This is definitely his most rewatchable movie. This is my favorite of his movies. Okay. This isn't U turn. I, I enjoy U-turn. I think it's misunderstood. <laughs> I don't mind U-turn. Wall Street and this are the are, Wall Street and this are the and yeah, Platoon would be third. Those All three. right. So if we leave this podcast with anything, it's that the mafia and the CIA probably conspired, and that you guys should see Heaven's Prisoners, <laughs> and that's that's where we're going to end it. Read American Tabloid. Uh, compliment. Thank you, Chris and Sean. Great to see you as always. This podcast was produced by our guy Craig Horlbeck, who learned about the JFK assassination <laughs> last night watching this movie. <laughs> So we'll be back. Did you watch this before or after the Seahawks game? After. <laughs> we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. Yeah. Saturday Night Fever. Me and Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. That's next. That's all. See you next time. <laughs>